Welcome, everybody, to Papa Spice's Hot Takes with Hans and Harry. How is everybody out there in internet land doing? We hope you are doing well. Um, how are you guys doing? I feel like it's been a while, even though it, it hasn't really been. Uh, Hans, uh, how are you doing, pal? I was just thinking that. I, I Even though we recorded two weeks ago, I, I honestly feel like it's uh, – I don't know if there's just, like, you know, stuff going on and it just, you know, a very busy few weeks – but I just feel like it's just like I feel like it's been a while since we recorded it. I usually will like listen to like older episodes like for us, like the last episode. I feel like I don't know if I just did that right away, but it feels like I listened to it like a month ago. But um, yeah, you know, just living life. We're now in, in recording this on March 1st. So we are uh, wrapping up that first quarter of the year, which, uh, you know, it, and put it in business terms. We're in Q1. Um, but yeah, it, not bad. The, it's starting to get a little warmer, so I'm getting a little happier. It's cold stuff in my basement. It's always like an ice box. So I like the cold, but I just, man, I, I don't mind it getting warmer. I just wish it would be consistent. Like having a day that's in like the late sixties and then the next day it drops to like low forties is just ridiculous. Yeah. Like tomorrow it's supposed to be, I think it's tomorrow it's supposed to be like 60 something and then go down to like 40 something. Yep. No, I'm not yep. on about that. Um, Hair, how are you doing, pal? I feel like it's just been since yesterday that I talked to you guys, or even today. Um, <laughs> I can't get enough of my buds. Uh, no, I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. Uh, I just uh, watched uh, Liverpool uh, win, so that was great. Um, I'm about to. Re- we're about to talk about uh, Ant Man. So that's great. Um, seeing the new Creed movie tomorrow. Um, yeah, things are things are well. I appreciate you asking. No problem, man. The Creed came up quick. Yeah, it, just, it uh, sneaks up on you. It does. Well, it seems like everything is far away, and then here we are. Like Hans yeah. said, you know, it's kind of wrapping up Q one, and we're starting to hit some of the the big releases. So. Q one. Fun, yeah, fun it, stuff. I oh god, god. No, I was going to say, it always, it reminds me when we worked at the theater and it was like, you come out of like the holiday rush and you get like that weird January movie that does well, like that, that teenage horror movie that like kind of kicks your butt for like a week or two. And it's just Mm -hmm. annoying. And then you get to the Valentine's day stuff and you're like, oh man, we're good until like April or May when like the big movie comes out. And then all of a sudden February is only 28 days. And then it's like over in a flash and it's like, oh yeah, Creed's here. And then, um... You know, then we get the new John Wick movie coming out soon, and then you know this other movie coming out, and it's just like all of a sudden you start looking around, and you're like, "Wow, it's uh, it's piling up." Yeah, I'm not even. Not, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry, not, I was gonna say about Creed too. The fact, that, like, I didn't even realize this until I noticed. I saw it on Twitter. Like, I think this is only the second time that a that even though he's not the lead in Creed three or Ant Man, but he's the star, one of the stars in it. That mm-hmm. it'll be the second time, and I don't know. I don't know the movies with the first where the same person starring in a movie will, will be back to back number one movies. So Ant Man oh, was well. number one this week, and I think they're expecting Creed three to be number one next week. So you know he's on the poster for both of them. He's on at least on the the marquee for it. So yeah. I think they said it's the second time. Jessica Chastain, I think, was the only other one. I don't know what movies they were. Go ahead, for. Jessica. So um, I might have made that part. Dark Phoenix. <laughs> uh, maybe. I don't I know. Was thinking, I was thinking Zero Dark Thirty and then some uh, like horror movie or something, but I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I, I, uh, I, I forget. Well, I, 
I mentioned the movies and then it's like, well, uh, the Oscars are in 11 days and last of us ends in 11 days. And in two weeks, what do we have? We have lasso. Uh, you know, I talked about succession, uh, that's coming back for its final season. Um, I know there's a show I'm missing in here too. Uh, as well that we probably talked about. Well, Mando starts today. Mando starts today. Yeah. Great. I thought that came out Friday. Um, Surprise. (laughs) Yeah. And I haven't watched Book of Boba Fett. So. Oh no. um, Well, uh, bang out Book of Boba Fett over the weekend and then you'll bang out two episodes next week. You'll be fine. I know what, I know like the gist of, you know, the, the storyline of how Boba Fett connects to Mandalorian season three. Um, because, uh, my fault, I sat You're on, on the for, internet for, yeah, yeah. exactly. So I, I'm not blaming anyone except myself for that. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I kind of, and I'm like a huge fan of Mandalorian and it just, that really came out Mando. of nowhere. It came, it, it really like slipped, like it like crept up and I, and someone said today, they said that the first episode's out. I'm like, no, it's not. It comes out Friday. Like, nah, it's today. I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh. All right. Well, the other thing too with like with Mando, and I, I don't know if it's the same for you guys, but like I know that the show is quality. So like I I kind of took the Harry uh, mantra and stayed away from trailers and stuff. So my hero. Um, so when you're not watching that stuff, you kind of it, it does get a little bit lost in the shuffle because it's not yeah. like right there in your face. So all of a sudden it pops up and it's like, oh yeah, today's release day. Yeah. Um, hands real quick about book of Boba Fett. I would recommend watching it. I think you would enjoy it. There are a few slow episodes. Um, and even if you're aware of like how it connects to Mando, it's still, it's still worth a watch. I have every intention to watch book of Boba Fett. I was very excited when they announced it, but uh, I don't, I think I, I may have watched the first episode and it wasn't that I wasn't like into it, but I I think there might've been like a few other shows on at the same time where, my time was kind of going towards that. And by the time I was ready to go back and watch it, it was all on Disney plus and I didn't have that time to stream it. So that or like just to start binging it. So, um, yeah, I, I, I definitely, I, I may start it uh, because now that I know Mando came out today, um, I might, you know, jump on, um, jump on, on book of Boba Fett. I think it's only like six episodes. Maybe someone told me. Yeah. I it's, a it's, short like one. A, it's yeah. So it's not like a full nine or ten. So I could probably knock it out in a couple of days. We'll see. Did you watch Andor yet? Also, no. I am. I watched the first three episodes. Um, I'm, I like oh, okay. it, but yeah. So I'm on like that first third, but I uh, or for whatever, however many episodes there are. But I Honestly, that's another one I want to go back and watch. But skip Boba Fett. Skip the new season of Mando. Dive on into Andor. Dude, I still <laughs> have to watch the last two episodes of Last of Us. I, I'm I fell behind. So I mm. am. Uh, that happens to the best of us. I was ahead, and now I'm behind, and now I'm like, yeah. So it's tough. There stuff. is a uh, there's a constant onslaught of content, which you know, hey, cool for us because we're spoiled for riches, but uh, it can be tough to keep up for sure. Yeah, Harry got me into that shrinking show that you mentioned that, which I uh, I've been playing away at that. Which I'm sorry. I, do, you, so do you like it? Do you anyone, like anyone? Anyone who's listening, shrinking is. An absolutely phenomenal show. Um, it's from the writers of Ted Lasso. This is and, and this is probably for you know a, a show called Hot Takes. This is probably my favorite thing I've seen Harrison Ford in. He is mm. amazing in this show. He is so funny. Like he's not y- just getting that. You check. see him. 
you see him in the interviews where he, he's very I, and I know he doesn't like doing like talk shows or interviews. He's very awkward in it, and mm-hmm. it may, and he feels awkward. This show is basically him doing an interview, but he says his some of his lines and the delivery in it, like you can tell he really like. I feel like he felt comfortable doing this show, and he's he's probably the funniest I've ever seen him. And it's like a role built just for him, and him and Jason Siegel are, are great together. So. so and Harry, you're giving this your endorsement as well. What drinking? It yeah, no, I haven't watched it. This is this oh, is okay. the show that's right up Hanratty's alley that I spoil. Yeah. I didn't purposely tell him about for our most anticipated that I just let him uh, find out about, and now I'm glad he's in love with it. So I'm I'm glad that it wasn't on my most anticipated because then at least I was surprised and it kind of yeah. like was there. Like I'm at the point where once the Emmys come around, like I'll either root for. I've like it's gonna be like a three way tie between Ted Lasso, Abbott Elementary, and Shrinking. So mm. that's like it's gonna be real interesting to see yeah. where they go with a couple of these. But, well, yeah. If it, well, let's fast forward to the end of the year list and uh, on Hanratty's list, Shrinking. Uh, it's his favorite <laughs> Harrison perform performance. It, it really is. I, I yeah, and look at all the other like you know uh, Indiana Jones, Han Solo, Shrinking. Like once this man this, this man gets a lifetime achievement award, it better be for Shrinking. <laughs> Well, I don't know that anything could replace those roles for me, but it's it's exciting yeah. to hear that you're into shrinking because um, it was something that was kind of on my radar radar also. Yeah. So um, it's it's good that you and you're backing it. The man's jumping to the MCU. <laughs> yes, yeah. This is all just uh, character study work um, in prep for his roles in Thunderbolt. Mm. And I was going to say I was going to transition into speaking of shrinking. Yeah, uh, yeah. I guess we are uh, I, I, getting sorry, a little I, late in the game. Yeah, I took, I took the Harrison Ford uh, segue and, and yeah, 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 take yeah. the more <laughs> obvious one of what we were talking about. President, uh, what's his face? Thunderbolt Ross. guy, Ross. Yes, whatever. Thunderbolt Ross. Can't wait for him. This, to, I, you know, he's going to just show up and just get that check. It's going to be definitely like that that role where he just you're going to be like you're going to be like, dude, he did not want to do this movie. I just in America is an interesting choice for it. So we'll see. Yeah, we will see. (laughs) Well, anyway, um, moving on, uh, we are here to talk about the newest MCU release, which is Ant-Man and the Wasp quantum mania. And yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot to talk about with this one. I think (laughs) surprisingly. So, Um, you know, I'll admit I wasn't super looking forward to it um, upon not only the initial announcement, but also, I don't know, I guess like the first trailer was kind of cool. I stayed away from subsequent trailers, but in general, the hype for me was just kind of a um, let's wait and see approach. Uh, How about you guys? When, when this was announced or when the first trailer dropped, um, what was your excitement level? I, I, I was like really weird with it only because I, I, I want to see after watching Loki, like I, I was excited to see Jonathan Majors like in this. And I think that was the elite, like a leading point for me. Now I watched, it was just cause it was on anti on TV, Ant-Man and the Wasp was on. And I, I forgot a lot about that movie. And I know a lot of people, that's a very forgettable Marvel movie for a lot of people. It really is. There's a lot of stuff in there that I that I completely, completely forgot about. And I'm not. I I really, really enjoyed the first Ant Man movie, and I think 
that brought a new level to the MCU where like, on, I guess on a small scale, literally on a small scale where like they're fighting on a Thomas and tank engine, like track and, and that kind of, that kind of fun. I think they had a lot of fun with, with the movie. So going into this, it was, I wanted, I, Jonathan Majors was the major focus because as a fan of the MCU, I wanted to see, I knew this was starting off phase five. I wanted to see where they were going to go with it and how they were going to include Kang, even though we did see him in Loki, but it wasn't Kang. It was he who remains, um, but a Kang variant. And I, I wanted to see, you know, the quantum realm realm as interesting as, as it looks. It just, it's, I feel like that's a very hard topic to cover in an hour and 45 minute movie. And I feel like there was a lot that they tried to fit in this movie that, you know, I thought the trailer looked great, but then as I watched the movie, I kind of felt a little like, all right, story's a little bit all over the place. Um, mm. But, you know, I like I said, Jonathan Majors, Kang was my main, major focus. Uh, I'm Paul Rudd, I think he's a great, a great Scott Lang. And you have a couple newcomers who, uh, like, uh, if I'm saying your name, is Catherine Newton. I, I, yep, I, yeah. I, I was calling her like Katie Newton for a while. I think I know someone with that name. Um, but her Fig Newton, but sorry. I was calling her Fig Newton, Isaac Newton. Um, but yeah, I, I thought she was good. It was really, I think a lot of people are probably confused because they recasted her just for this movie and uh, from uh, from Endgame. But I, it, it's for a start of a phase five movie, I was excited for it after watching the trailer. And then, you know, as we dig into the movie, um, you know, I'll kind of mm. go on what I really feel, but how, what about you? I know you're not a big trailer guy. Like if you would have seen it, you would have probably seen it on like black Panther or something. Yeah. This is, this is the way of not, uh, getting excited by trailers. Um, shout out Mando throwback to, uh, 10 minutes ago or five minutes <laughs> ago. Um, yeah, I, uh, I, I started to get a little bit excited for this, like you were mentioning, Hands, because of Kang, uh, because of Jonathan Majors um, with that. And I was excited by the runtime. You mentioned that. But, you know, we're coming out of phase four, which, you know, when we talked about Black Panther, I think we all kind of agreed um, that this was, you know, we really wanted to see something. I don't want to say different, but kind of a structure a little bit because, you know, the last phase was a little bit pondering. And I, I wonder how much of just like, you know, with COVID happening, they just decided to just like pile on as much product as they can to just like keep in center of mind for when, you know, we come out of things and things, you know, start to get more back to normal. And, you know, or maybe their strategy was to just keep pumping it out. And, you know, this train's never going to stop. Um, but, you know, there, I, I feel as though there's been some fatigue. So I, I, I don't want to say I was excited for Ant-Man because, you know, when we did our most anticipated, uh, I purposely left off all Marvel product because, um, yeah, I'm just not going to be excited for it anymore to the level of just, you know, uh, Avengers or, um, the Captain America movies or even the Iron Man movies of just, you know, trying to key, stay even keel. Um, and that's usually what I try to do. Um, and I don't know, it, it, it was tough, you know, going into this one, but like I said, I was excited by the runtime. I was excited for Jonathan majors and, you know, uh, even just talking about the Ant-Man universe, like as you mentioned, Hans, I love Ant-Man 1. I think I was the highest on it when we did our Marvel ranking pod. Um, and Ant-Man 2, I think when anybody does a top Marvel list, Ant-Man 2 is usually near the bottom uh, for almost everybody. Um, so I was hoping this would be a little bit of return to form. Peyton Reed, you know, still in there. 
Um, I think this, if I read it correctly, this was the first one that Paul Rudd didn't have a, like a co-writer on or like a, a writing credit on for, for the Ant-Man series. Um, you know, and they were hyping this up, you know, I think it was Peyton Reed who came out and said like, this is going to be an Avengers level type movie. And I try to stay away from that because listen, I, I know you're trying to sell your product. I mean, you know, uh, you know, catch me in the office talking about our pod, um, you know, and telling people to like, share and subscribe and do all that stuff. So I get it. I get it. Trying to, uh, to pitch your stuff, but you know, and being excited for it, you know, nobody's going to be like, I think my movie's going to be all right. I hope you guys like it. Um, so I get it, but at the same time, it's hard to avoid all that noise, you know? Um, and I, I just wanted to talk a little bit really quick, just about, you know, numbers, you know, this came out with a pretty low rotten tomato score. And I know the first week of box office did well, but I don't know if you guys caught it, but the second week of the box office was actually the lowest return, uh, for any Marvel movie, uh, so far. So, um, it was like the biggest second weekend drop. I think it was like, was it like 60? Uh, I don't know the number, but I I don't remember the number off the top of my head, but, um, I remember they were quoting like out of all the Marvel movies, like this one had the lowest drop. And I think that's, you know, kind of word of mouth, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, you know, anybody asking us is, you know, Thursday night riders, uh, you know, if we're not coming out being like, dude, you gotta check it out. Um, you know, it makes it, uh, makes it a little tough, but, but Papa, I don't know though, because um, the audience yeah. scores on Rotten Tomatoes were good, you know. Ah, they were they were low coming out of the gate. There was close to eternal. I mean, you oh, you said audience score, right? Yeah, audience. Yeah. Scores, yeah, yeah. I mean, but I I feel like that's always pumped up with the Marvel stuff. It's kind of just like the opposite of like if this was Captain Marvel two, it's going to be lower audience score because there's going to be a bunch of trolls on there. So. You know, I gotcha. think there's always that Marvel fandom, to, in my opinion, that has a little bit of a slight upgrade. You know, um, it's not like a crazy amount to me, but it's like, you know, take five, 10 percent off of that of just the super fans who are going to like any type of Marvel, you know, product or, you know, Paul Rudd fans, you know, um, maybe some Michael Douglas heads out there just, you know, hitting up the old Rotten Catherine, Tomatoes to get their audience score in. Catherine um, Newton fans. Yeah, Catherine Newton, Fig Newton, you know, all the Newtons jumping in. The guy, I can't even think of the guy who played Modoc. Uh, uh, what is his name? Corey Stoll. Corey, Corey Stoll, Stoll, yeah. Lots of Corey yeah. Stoll fans out there. Yeah, I mean, he's a good actor, so he's, he's pretty good. But, all right. But yeah. but, yeah, I mean, listen, trying to keep expectations at a minimum. Um, that's, my, that's my goal for all these Marvel movies. You know, that's why I'm secretly looking forward a little bit to guardians three, because I, I know what I'm going to get with that. You know what I mean? I, I don't think they're going to try to do anything different. And part of my problem with this movie is I felt like they tried to do something different um, or elevate Ant-Man. And it's like, let's get just to the fun humor of, of what Ant-Man is um, for it. So yeah. Uh, while, and real quick, while we're on the topic of trailers, if you've seen the trailer for this movie, you have seen the entire mm, movie. Yeah, pretty much. You've seen, at least i mean now you get some humor in it but i'm um, like the the big line in this movie is oh, i don't you don't have to win we just both have to lose that's spoiler alert everyone three two is that from harry one. potter and and that's the end of the movie that's the end line before he beats <laughs> kang um so it just i i have a problem and i'm starting to sound like harry when it comes to trailers as i think about Ooh, it yeah Come on. I, you guys I are wish, just coming over to the dark side. I love this. Keep I joining. Wish, I wish that stuff like now guard like I wish that stuff was not in the trailers. Guardians with that trailer, I, I Marvel does do a lot of misdirects in their trailers. And Guardians, I think there's a lot of misdirects because I'm pretty sure two or three of the Guardians are gonna bite it. And 
which ones you don't know because we were told multiple times in gun going over to DC, him saying, this is it. Like the guardians are done. I guess if they do anything else in future movies, he's not involved and it's, you know, I don't think they're going to go as far as recasting some of the characters, but I, I, I think it leaves the mystery open of who, you know, which, which guardian won't be coming back to the MCU. Now, if they do another formation of the guardians, I don't know what their, what their plan is, but yeah. this movie literally will like, I feel like it gave a lot away and Harry to Harry's point, it didn't do much different. Like it's Marvel. It's formulaic. It is a, it's the Marvel formula and the trailers do give. And, and I think even black Panther might've given a few things away. And even like Thor love and thunder, there was a lot of stuff that they just, they spoil in trailers and it's just annoying. And I hate watching trailers anymore because it, it just for the few times that I end up going to the movies, I want to be surprised, and I do it to myself because I watch the trailer. So it's like, Modoc, so this is Modok wasn't a surprise. <laughs> as much as I, I as much as I enjoyed Modok is going to be is is the surprise of this uh, the this yeah. show. I thought he nice. looked, he looked terrible in the yeah. trailer, but he you know. Go ahead, Greg. So, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, it's all good. But like, it's tough because with Marvel movies, like I, you know, I love this stuff so much, and we've talked at nauseum about it. But you know, characters that we've grown up with or or watched or whatever, and like seeing that first trailer for a new movie, a new Marvel movie, like it's it's almost like, and excuse the the uh, hyperbole here but it's almost like you know wedding day turning around seeing your bride for the first time it's like you mm. want that first look you know like because i'm gonna look, tell jay you said that by the way <laughs> yeah you just compared your uh, wife to a marvel movie she will she will hear this when, when she catches up to this episode there in like six months um <laughs> so uh no but like you know it's it is like the, the marketing for marvel movies um until that first trailer drops is usually pretty secretive. You might get one or two um, yeah. still photos, Ideas. but not yeah. much. So like there's a natural inclination to be like, Oh, I got to see what this is about. You know, I've read the log line. I've seen the one or two still photos, but like hit me with the trailer. So like that is there, but then, then you run the risk of, okay, did, did we just like, spoil the whole thing because yeah. they can't help themselves in throwing everything at the wall in the trailer to make you come in and, and try and uh, get your, your money to see the movie. So, and which, you know, I think, I don't know. I just, I, I think they're at a point now. Um, there's such a juggernaut that they don't need to do that. Um, you know, you can give us more creative, more or less transparent um, trailers for these movies. And guess what? Tickets are still going to be sold. You don't need to give away plot point after plot point and like major action beats or like um, key lines or anything, because people are still going to be in line anyway. And and that's the counterpoint to it is where like, uh, uh, yes, as much as I watch your trailers, there was no way I wasn't watching this. Right and did yeah there and it's well, you could have told me literally the whole ending of the movie and I'd be like well well, I'm, well even to that I'm point too it's also it's like you know I I know we don't uh I know for hand's sake he, his lady's never going out to the Marvel movies but like even if they wanted to I got miss her to one I got her to there two. you go 
There you go. Two out of 31. You, you shoot yeah. low percentage. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, like, even if they were like, hey, I'm not feeling this one. And, like, if we went and saw it, you know, like you're saying, Greg, about, like, hey, keeping expectations low or, you know, even just being like, hey, here's the, you know, do the Nolan effect of the trailer of just pumping in the score and being like, here's Kang saying two lines. And, like, and listen, I, I know, I guess I understand why they don't go that way. But it's like, you know, we would then turn around and be like, this was great. I had a great time. There were, There's a lot of surprises. You got to check it out, you know. Um, but I think that also goes to the previous phase of like just the lack of direction, the rewriting, the reshooting of so many things that it just causes, you know, so much chaos um, in the quantum realm and in the real world uh, for like what's what's you know, what what to expect on our end. So. It's just, it's tough. It's tough out there right now. But, you know, I'm trying, I try to be, you know, when we talk like this, it makes me kind of realize like, hey, maybe, you know, I'm being too harsh on them considering, you know, you think about a movie like Wakanda Forever that we talked about. And I thought about more, I thought, I thought about that more in the Mm -hmm. fact of like, yeah, Chadwick Boseman passed and they had to like rewrite a movie in six months, like, and not have their main star on there. So, you know, and to come out with what they did, you know, I thought was, you know, uh, a great achievement. Um, but it does, you know, beg the question of like, you know, are we getting too much? And, you know, I think I think the future and, you know, we saw some of the moves, you know, recently about them, you know, moving to the Marvels until November, you know, canceling the July release, you know, just goes to show that, you know, I think I hope that they're, you know, putting their focus a little bit stronger, committing to what they want to do and, you know, giving themselves time to make more quality product as opposed to, you know, these these big dumps, um, you know, product on us because we're we're in we're in like I I can't state this enough, like uh, of all the movies, you know, and I'm sorry to go on a little rant here of all the times like when we get everybody together, it's like the Marvel movies for the most part are hands down number one where it's like everybody's going do you know what i mean and and, you know we got to make sure one's up of tickets um so it's just you know i don't know like just make make good good product so yeah yep i think the next time sorry be when we do our oppenheimer barbie double feature day oh my god (laughs) request off now boys we are in there we are in those streets you see the barbie oppenheimer Done. Did you see the Murray Bartlett meme with that, where it's um, oh dressed up for dressed up yeah. for White Lotus? It says going to see Barbie, and then the one that says Oppenheimer's from the last. Yeah, list. yeah, perfect. Yeah. That's going to be me. And take off quick, that day. Quick wardrobe change before I walk into Barbie. Yeah, make sure I get that coverage. I'm gonna I'm gonna take that whole day off. Beautiful. <laughs> well, we kind of uh, <clears throat> got into everything except the movie with uh ant-man so <laughs> yeah. and we're um, done so everyone have a yes. great rest of the day <laughs> uh no. so let's kind of dive in there and i i think um you know one of the first things i want to talk about I'll, I'll leave um jonathan majors alone for a little bit but uh yeah. i do want to talk about the cast um Catherine newton uh recast as uh, or um cassie was recast with Catherine newton in the role now um uh, I thought she was really good. I thought um, mm. she was very likable. Um, didn't find her annoying. Um, has a good look for the character. Um, 
you know, seemed charismatic. So I thought she, she fit in pretty well. And I think, um, you know, despite there already being two movies with this cast or four, I guess, if you count the Avengers five, if you throw in civil war, although, you know, Wasp wasn't really in that, but, um, you know, there, the, the point is this cast has already established a dynamic and she kind of slid in there with ease. You know, she didn't feel yeah. like a missing, she didn't feel like a sore thumb. So, um, that was good. I thought, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer also like Kang exists outside of space and time. Uh, she just looks absolutely <laughs> flawless. I don't know how she doesn't age, but apparently she doesn't money. And he, well, yeah, I guess actually that is the solution there. Um, <laughs> uh, I like that. She had a bit more of an expanded role this time around, although some of the characters question, uh, choices were a little questionable. We can get into that later, but, um, but yeah, uh, it was good to see her, uh, and she's looking foine, F-O-I-N. Um, family dynamics, absolutely loved. Uh, you know, we get, the movie gets into the main story pretty quickly, but prior to jumping in, we, we get kind of a, a touch of um, a family setting where they're, they're at a dinner, you know, kind of, uh, just shooting the breeze over some um, enlarged pizza or shrunken yeah. pizza. I'm not sure it becomes enlarged, uh, which looks great, but was the gag done in back to the future too? shout out. Just gonna, yep. that, that's, that, that's what I thought of. I'm like, all right, this is, we've seen this before. Yes. Uh, that was with uh, rehydration though, as opposed to pin particles. Yeah. But, um, but I do, I love the family dynamics in this movie. I thought that um, there were pretty strong connections with the various pairings. I liked that um, Cassie referred to Hank as Grandpa Hank. Um, everybody in, in this kind of has different things going on in in their pairings. You know, um, Hank and Janet have the, the um, husband and wife thing going. And, uh, you know, I there's not a ton of references to their relationship, but there's, there's some stuff in it, you know, Hank talking about his, his previous dating and Janet being like, well, why didn't it work out? And him saying, cause she wasn't you baby, like great line. Uh, and, and kind of sums it up, sums up his feelings towards her. Um, Hank and Scott, I think the, uh, the line that, that popped us in, in our screening at least was you read my book, every GD word of it. Um, yeah. you know, that, yeah. that got a, a big, uh, laugh out of everyone. Uh, Hank and Cassie have a, a pretty good relationship. Like I said, the grandpa Hank stuff, and he's kind of being a mentor to her with science. You have Janet and hope, um, the, the mother daughter dynamic and, and hope kind of trying to break through the wall that Janet put up regarding her time in the quantum realm. Um, Hope and Scott, uh, I really, <laughs> I like the, uh, the little montage scene where, uh, you know, she's working hard and he swings by with some takeout and a six pack and they put on their suits and fly to the top of the golden gate, like cute little relationship moment, man. Like that's, we already know that they, they have an existing relationship, but that's just, um, a nice little accent to it that shows that everything is, is good. And, you know, this is a, a couple that, 
knows to take time and, and have fun with themselves. And then you've got hope and Cassie um, where again, you know, she's kind of like a surrogate mom, almost like a stepmom, I guess. And uh, kind of backing Cassie in the, the car ride home from jail, Cassie and Scott, obviously. So like, there's all of these, all of these different relationships, they genuinely feel like they're a real loving family and they've all got unique facets to it. None of it, like some stuff is more fleshed out than others, but none of it feels glossed over. And I like that all of these characters have a different dynamic with each other. Um, so out of those casting choices and, and family dynamics and all that stuff, what did, what did you guys think? Do you think that they played it off well or did it come across hokey for anybody? I agree with 93 to 95% of the stuff that you just said. Um, okay. What I don't agree with and, and you know, re- I respectfully disagree is Evangeline Lilly in this movie. So I had a problem with her. I feel like she had a good chemistry with Paul Rudd in the first movie and the second movie. Something happened where I feel like a lot of that chemistry was just the haircut gone that she got rid of her hair and then all, then she became mopey and she's just like, she reminded me like, and, and I know Harry, I don't think you watch lost, but, uh, but did you watch any of lost? Okay. So great. You watch lost. She kind of reminded me of, of Kate on lost a little bit where she would do that stare whenever someone was kind of like deceiving or she would give like Sawyer or Jack that stare. And, and she did it a lot in this movie. And I, I don't – you didn't need to call this movie Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. It's called Ant-Man Quantumania. She wasn't in this – if anything, they were going to use the Wasp, then refer to Janet. Janet was more of a of, of Wasp, of the Wasp in this. I mean she wasn't suited up. But I had a problem with it because I feel like they just threw Angeline Lilly in certain spots to just – she just showed up to like either – to save Scott twice. Once when he was in that – um the um the probability storm and the other when at the at the end when she when he's fighting Kang. But all she did before that was just like look at Nicole Kidman and just and Janet and be like, Are you gonna tell me about the quantum realm? No, you're not gonna tell me what went down down here. Like what are you gonna tell me when 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 what went on down here? And I feel like there was a lot of that. Like she's not gonna tell you. She like stop just Stop! You just look annoyed, and you look like you don't want to be in this movie. And I, I feel like some of the small parts that she had with Cassie, like I thought that was nice. But I just feel like everyone had great chemistry. And at some point, when she got the haircut, the chemistry went away, and she just seemed like she didn't want to be in this movie. And I haven't seen her in anything that I, at least, I can think of outside of Lost and Ant Man, and. Is she at the point now, which I'm sure a lot of these Marvel people are doing, are just like, I'm getting paid a lot of money to be in this movie. So I got to at least just act interested. And I just feel like her chemistry kind of went away. And which stinks because she, her and Paul Rudd are great in the first two movies. They they play off well. She didn't have a lot to do in Endgame. So I don't even think she has a speaking line. Um, but it just, I don't know. It just, I feel like. Whenever it was like, oh well, you're gonna tell me about the quantum realm, mom, and then so I know it's not. I do a terrible Evangeline Lilly impression. I'm sorry, <laughs> and um, and she just poor, looks at her like, no, post. I'll I'll tell you like, no, I'll tell you when the time's right or whatever. And she just says, like, I, 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 
looks like she's like like smelling a fart where she's like 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 kind of like that's sorry that's the only way I I, th- I I gave myself three seconds to think of something that that I go. can compare it to and it just it just looked like she looked annoyed and that was her purpose in the movie is just uh, I don't and to show up twice to save Scott yeah. I don't know why she was in this movie I don't I, I I would rather her stay outside of the quantum realm and try and figure out a way to get Scott back and do that I don't want her in the quantum realm. <clears throat> well so like I think <clears throat> I think she had reasons to be in the movie. Um, the character. Well, that is. It's called Ant-Man uh, and the Wasp. Yeah. Well, <laughs> aside from the fact that she had to show up because she was in the title. Um, no. Yeah. I like, you know, I narratively, it makes sense that she is kind of shepherding her parents who, you know, while not, um, while not totally helpless, I mean, let's face it, they are senior citizens. So um, she's, she's kind of there to uh, provide backup and support and same thing against uh, Kang with Scott, all that stuff. I will agree that she doesn't have much of a character arc in here, but that's a different conversation. I think narratively, like she having a character as backup in, in these scenes uh, it makes sense for her to be in there, but uh, yeah, I doesn't. Just, I, there's there's not much in here that grows the character like yeah like would for Scott. I, I just I don't know. I I felt like her bounce like her interactions with Scott. It felt it felt forced compared to the first two movies where they hated mm-hmm. each other and then they started to grow like respect for each other and you know fall in love. Um, but I just feel like her character with with like Hope and and Scott's character. The, the relationship was like, all right, we already built this up after two Ant-Man movies. It just felt like that chemistry was gone and they're just and, – and Hope it, Hope was kind of like, all right, I got to be here now because you know, they're paying me. And it just didn't seem as fluid. So That's just gotcha. to me. I don't know. Harry, what about you? I know you said a couple things when I was going off about Hope. No, I mean, I, I 100% agree with you. I mean, part of the marketing for this movie is called Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, and I don't think the the Wasp and Evangeline Lilly do uh, really much of anything uh, in this movie. Um, but, you know, I was listening to Greg, you know, remind me of the first, what, 10 minutes of this movie and just the family dynamic. And that is something that I really enjoyed about the first one. Um, the family dynamic, you know, his, uh, his ex-wife, you know, um, I forget who plays, uh, like her boyfriend, um, Bobby, but he's one of, Bobby, yeah, Car- Bob, Bobby Cannavaro. Yeah. yeah Can- he's yeah, like something. one of those guys that you just see in everything and yeah. just the comedy and humor there. And I'm going to pitch this idea to you guys really quick and see what you think, you know, um, because, you know, jumping ahead, cause we're kind of talking about the first kind of 30 minutes here, but, you know, jumping, it takes about 45 minutes to an hour before they talk about Kang. And as we've, as we've mentioned, Kang is in this movie. We all know Kang is in this movie because of your marketing. I know Kang is in this movie. I don't need an hour, uh, warm up for Kang is coming. Um, when I know he's coming in the movie, um, and in a, in a two hour movie, two hour and 10 minutes, whatever you want to carve it out as. So let me picture this. The family dynamic is the first 45 minutes of this movie. We see them cooking pizza. We see, you know, uh, we see Hank and we see Cassie kind of hanging out in the lab, keeping it a secret from Paul Rudd, you know, and then there's this game night one night and all of a sudden 
you know, Janet is confronted. Let's say they're playing Monopoly. Let's just go with Monopoly. Everybody, I hate Monopoly, but let's just go with that. And Hope comes up to Janet and they're playing together. And all of a sudden, Janet freaks out. And then that's when she tells us about about, uh, Kang. And it's like, you know, maybe make it earlier, maybe make it 30 minutes, whatever you want to do. And then all of a sudden they, you know, then maybe Hank and um, and what's her face? Uh, uh, Cassie tell them, hey, we got to go show them. We got to talk about this. We, we you know, and then that's how they get sucked in. And, you know, they get sucked in and, and Bill Murray's there with his like get rid of all of the stuff about the quantum realm people and all the fascination as much as I enjoyed it. Get rid of all of that. And just jump in, and Bill Murray is the leader of one side, Kang's the leader of the other, and it's like a it's like a minion situation with like well, let's just call it like whatever. He's Bill Murray's character's got a bunch of minions who just like follow him, and he's trying to lead the resistance against you know uh, Kang here. And then we're right back into like what we were gonna do um, because like the part of the movie for me is like that family dynamic that I wish they would have explored more because a lot of the stuff in the quantum realm jumping into that next section is like pretty much just filler for me of how we get there. Um, and it's like, have, you know, have Modoc show up earlier and he's chasing him as soon as they get to the quantum realm. Cause he's on, you know, watch detection and have that interaction. You can still have all that comedy in there, but there's a lot of this where it's like, you know, you think about like the core of these characters um, and even like a movie, like, you know, uh, or even a character like Captain America, where it's like, Hey, his main focus is his buddy Bucky and his, you know, want to do good by everything he does. And it's like, yeah, we make Bucky the villain in it. And it's like for, for Scott and for Ant-Man, it's like his main focus is his family and his family dynamic has changed. And we get 10 minutes of that. And then we jump into this world where it's just a teaser for, you know, Hey, what's Kang been up to? Who's Kang? We're not talking about Kang yet. Give us another half an hour. We'll talk about Kang. So I don't know. That's my pitch for like this movie to just make it better. And I wish we would have gotten like, you know, and have a callback to like, maybe they're doing one of the birthdays early in the movie. And then you call back to it later because, you know, they, they talk about that. Like there's ways here that I feel like you could tie this movie in to make it a more enjoyable, fun movie. Um, instead of just a blase, you know, here we are in the quantum realm type thing. So sorry, I feel ranty right. tonight. I'm sorry if I'm being yeah, ranty. No, it's all good. But what I need everybody to do right now, just put us on pause, go to Twitter, tweet Kevin Feige, Marvel Studios, Peyton Reed, <laughs> yeah. release the hippo cut. Release yeah, the hippo cut. Uh, Monopoly in it. Uh, yes. See if we get an uh, eight man Monopoly game. Uh, no, look, I, I, I agree with you to an extent. And like, I think I, I definitely think, there's more that can be done. You know, I guess, I, I guess we'll kind of move on to that, that Kang discussion and, and Janet, but like um, Janet was clearly affected by her time in the quantum realm um, yeah. and her encounters with Kang specifically when she touched the, the Neuralink device and, you know, saw all of his atrocities and they don't really do a, they, they do a very, ham-fisted melodramatic version of giving her ptsd it's like all right she was the leader of a rebellion for x years i think it was like 30 or something like that and like all these lives were lost and did i do the right thing did i do the wrong thing what what horrors have i seen either from up front from kang um in the quantum realm or you know just that flashback stuff of her touching the the device and all they do to convey that is 
I can't tell you about it right now. Like yeah. now's not the time I'll get to it later. And it's like, show me a scene where she is like, she's got her back turned and she's like, there's tears coming down because yeah. she doesn't want to have to face what she thought. Somebody she surprises good. her while she's like doing the dishes and she drops the dishes. She's right, up late right. one night in a corner, like looking out the window, like thinking about like the atrocities that might be happening or whatever. Right. Like there's, they absolutely could have conveyed this a better way. And I think maybe that's a discussion for Marvel studios in general, where it's like, you know, I do, I do praise them for, mixing genres like you always have superhero and then something else mixed together yeah. to keep things kind of feeling fresh but they do have the generic formulaic story that they stick with where it's like equal parts yeah. action humor and whatever and they don't go they don't like super get into pathos of characters and 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 that's where like they're there needs to be room for that. Like, you know, one of the things people talked about and sorry, I'll, I'll let you No, no, go ahead, that, go ahead. But like one of the things people loved about infinity war was like how, look, we had all this lead up to Thanos. And then finally in infinity war, we start getting his backstory and like, we see, you know, why, why he has this mission statement and uh, you know, the, the things that he's done and, and all of this stuff. And like, we get a touch of that with Kang here, but like, I guess what I'm trying to say is like, people love one of the reasons people love infinity war is because we get that look at the character. Um, yeah. And, you know, same thing with, with Loki and Killmonger and, you know, I mean, performances are part of that also, but those characters were actually given time uh, to be written correctly. Whereas this like Janet, they just gloss over it. They're like, I, I'm not going to talk about it right now. I'll talk about it when it's convenient for the plot. Yeah. So. No. Yeah. And like my, my biggest other problem is too, is like you literally have actors upon actors who will line up to like be a part of this world who like you will shelve from doing any other type of project. And it's like, you have Michelle Pfeiffer and like, you can't put her in a room with Michael Douglas one night when he like wakes up and Caesar like by a window, like upset because, you know, for lack of a better word, like there's a, there's a Hitler out there that like, she just like decided to leave, uh, you know? So it's like one of those things or like the all powerful being like a, a better than Th like fan better than Thanos type villain. And like, you can't like give two minutes, three minutes of a scene for that. And it's just like fast forward to the next day. And it's like, she gets surprised by Cassie while doing the dishes and Cassie, Cassie probes. And, you know, we're getting little hints here and there. And then like, you know, then there's the, the overflow for it. And it just, I, I don't know. There's just so many different things they could do. And I, I don't want to dive too much into like rewriting a movie and like what we could have done better, or what ideas we have better, but it's just like, you have the actors, like they can act like you're paying them. Like they're, Every one of these movies now has like a laundry list. Like when I go through like, you know, in the show notes and I like try to put the actors for each movie, like I do it usually by fame or like the impact they had. But it's like you just start like Randall Parks in this movie for a montage scene in the beginning of the movie for two seconds. And it's like yeah. he's a well-known actor. And it's like you have all these all this talent. And like this is, you know, the the writing or the decision making or the thread you want to tell. And it's just, I don't think it's good enough. So 
Mm-hmm. So it's funny that you, you said, and, and I don't want to get into this, the rewriting podcast at this point, um, but <laughs> rewriting pro- Papa Spice, hands and Harry. <laughs> the rewritables. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I think, I think we got another okay. podcast idea. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Quick, trademark it. Um, Every other week. Copyright it. Yeah. Um, what I probably would have done a little different, and since we're just doing a little bit of rewrites, and, and I, I, what I probably would have done is... Every so we've seen a Kang variant in multiple different sh- either shows or whatever shows uh, end credit scenes. I-, I probably would have you know had that thing with Scott in when he's walking and doing the monologue and saying how how great things are going and like what if you had like you took that birthday party scene put it in the kind of beginning of the movie and like and they're all there and what if you had a scene where the waiter is Jonathan majors and it like triggers like if you, it triggers Michelle Pfeiffer, like, yeah, I feel like, like she can't escape seeing his face or something. Right. Yeah. And like, what if this Kang variant in, in our world and earth six one six was a waiter at whatever restaurant they're at. Yeah. Like something that like, just stop hiding from it. And, and it just, I don't know. I, I agree. Like they, they beat, they, it just, I, I hate when, characters do that in movies and, and that that trope of where it's everyone's just like moany and and oh i just i can't tell you right now like first of all they're your family second of all they're avengers so they can handle whatever you're gonna throw at them yes it you know it, you bring up some great points with that and you know another thing with this is just look he was the probably the central focus of the marketing campaign and everybody's like look you have to see this this is the next big bad. This guy's going to be bigger than Thanos, blah, blah, blah. The man and, has his own movie coming out. It called the Kang dynasty in a couple of years. Right. And you even, he's even in the cold open. So it's like, just weave it narratively so that there's not this giant gap yeah. because yeah, just having Janet say, Oh, well I, you know, I'll, I'll tell you later, or, or we need to get away and not really like, why would you not make the people you care about aware of this threat? Maybe it's out of protection um, to say because they they figure yeah, sure. she figures Fair oh enough. they'll run off and challenge him right away because they know he's a bad guy. But like I don't know, it's just it's poor writing and it's for for a um, a major selling point of the movie. Uh, no pun intended. Um, you know, and such a great actor and the stuff and we'll get into it, but like the stuff we got from him was amazing. It's like, why wouldn't you sprinkle that in earlier? Why would you give it all this time to, to hold off before we dive full bore into it? It's like, it just, it doesn't make sense to me. It was a a very poor narrative choice. I thought. Yeah. Even Um, give me, even like with an actor of Jonathan majors caliber, like, because in my opinion, as you were saying, Greg, he's the best thing in this movie. It's like, why don't you give him a 15-minute montage in the beginning like you did for Bale in Thor right. Love and Thunder? I mean, it wasn't, maybe right. it wasn't 15 minutes, but it's like, why don't you tell me a little bit of his the, the Kang the Conqueror's backstory um, in regards to it? But yeah, I'll toss it back to you, Greg, to kind of get us through the next next leg of this, uh, this film. Yeah, so, you know, basically uh, we have that... Uh, the opening maybe like 10 15 minutes and then we're we're in the quantum realm um jumping right in no pun intended yeah and you know what i won't i will say that was one thing that not only surprised me but delighted me um even though i enjoyed the the family dynamic stuff i also like a movie that 
doesn't waste it, its time. And the fact that it jumped into, I guess, the main section of the movie, uh, I was right to the point. With. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Quantum Realm itself, I, I am a a fan of when the writers are clever enough uh, or at least nice enough to to try and work in some pseudoscience. And I don't feel like they did a good enough job of explaining what exactly the quantum realm is. I know like, you know, in previous movies, the explanation is it's, it's shrinking beyond the beyond, you know, you're, you're in subatomica, you're smaller than atoms into this whole other realm, but like, and okay, that's fine. That makes sense. But how does it exist outside of space and time? Because even just because you're smaller doesn't necessarily mean that time changes. Yeah. Time still goes the same, the same time, you know? Um, so the fact that they just kind of threw that out there and, and accepted, or I guess expected people to accept it, that's just kind of like fast food science to me. It's just like you're, you're just saying, Hey, this is, this is what we're saying. We're dictating it to you. Just accept it. And it's like, yeah, but that's not how it quite works. Yeah. And I get that. There's a whole other rabbit hole. Cause then it's like, Oh, well, you know, why aren't you questioning the physics of whatever, or the impact uh, on the human body? And, you know, then it's like, everything's fake. But if you're going to use science as a, a point, um, you might as well uh, at least try and do a little bit of explaining for it. So wasn't overly thrilled about that. Um, the CGI for the quantum realm, uh, not bad, but also not great. Uh, I saw, you know, we, we are in a group chat with some friends and we were kind of talking about how, I guess some of the VFX artists for quantum mania said they weren't as thrilled with the end product as they could have been because some of them got pulled off. To work on, yeah. <laughs> some of them got pulled off to work on, um, Wakanda forever and you know just uh, they're in the normal crunch and all that stuff and look there's there's a whole other discussion to be had about uh, I guess Marvel's treatment of VFX yeah. artists but I will say that um, I didn't think the end result was terrible I just I don't think it was noteworthy either you know we're we we definitely didn't get Avatar the way of water style CGI but it also wasn't on the level of like Thor love and thunder either. So yeah, I can't, I can't sit there and, and knock the CGI on this. It's just, um, it kind of was there. Um, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't glaringly bad, so it was fine for me. I will say though, there's one thing that I noticed in this and I also noticed it in Wakanda forever. And I don't know why it's being done. Maybe this is kind of one of those things where they're cutting corners, but on certain camera shots, um, lines around a character, because it's it's people specifically, tend to get blurred. Imagine watching a 3D movie and then when you take off the glasses and it doesn't the image doesn't quite line up, it's a little blurry. That's what I see here. And I forget the exact scene that this happens in. I know I saw it in Wakanda Forever with the Dora Milaje in one shot. Um, so I don't know why this is happening again. Maybe, maybe it's like, oh, well, you know, we can, 
instead of focusing on sharpening up the images here, let's work on the big explosions over there. Maybe that's yeah. what's going on. But like, it's just a, it's a really weird choice. And now this is the second Marvel movie in a row where I've noticed it. And I have a feeling if I go back and watch Thor love and thunder, it'll probably be there also. Yeah. Uh, but they need to cut that out. Cause it looks like crap. Um, maybe, uh, I was thinking maybe you need to go to lens crafters and, and check your, your, your prescription. See if, see the if anything needs good, to change. The peepers are good. Did you uh, watch it in um, like, and uh, like IMAX? Yeah. So both uh, Wakanda forever and, um, and this quantum mania, we watched in IMAX uh, 2d with uh laser projection for this, mind you. So the image should be sharper. It's just, I don't, I don't so, know what's going on with that. I, I watched it in, in standard format, uh, non IMAX, and I did not notice mm-hmm. that. So maybe you should just take the step down and just go in the <laughs> downgrade. Skip, skip for, uh, that. Uh, yeah, that maybe maybe the quality, quality is too high. Yeah, yeah, you're asking too much. Just just go to go 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 to the standard format. You you you'll love it. That is a fair point, <laughs> but <laughs> I'm probably not going to do that. Um, there is a cantina scene uh in in quantum mania i thought it had uh big star wars <laughs> vibes and almost like a touch of tron legacy also both with uh kang's guards and um uh like the music when kryler appears it's very uh daft punk-esque from yeah. tron legacy so i i really loved it uh i thought um i almost wish well I don't want to say I wish we spent more time in there, but that's exactly the type of thing where it's like, okay, this shows me, this establishes that there's this whole wide world out there with all these varied um, inhabitants and there's enough to make it feel like this is a lived in universe without, you know, oh, this is character X, Y, and Z. You know, I don't, I don't need to know their whole backstories. I just, I get the point from it. Uh, so I really liked that. Um I know this is one point I have. I, I, all right. So I have two other things and then I'll, I'll throw it to you guys and we can go over your um, yeah. quantum realm stuff. Uh, first thing is we meet um, uh, William Jackson Harper as Quaz. Uh, you might know him as Cheaty from the good place. Uh, I love him. Uh, I think he's fantastic. He was fantastic in the good place. He was he was pretty good in this too. I wish that he had uh, a bigger role or maybe something more substantial. I don't know what that would be, but um, really liked seeing him in this movie. Just, just wish we could have gotten a little more from him, but his, uh, his line delivery was on point every time. And then um, another bit of casting is Bill Murray as Kryler. I, I know you guys, um, uh, kind of disagree on this i think or disagree with me i think his performance was fantastic another one where every line just killed me he he was the um the smarmy you know kind of politician uh guy who um he was bill he, he was had, bill krylar murray that's what he that's what he was <laughs> like i don't know what to yeah, tell you. i so, mean he he oozes and yeah, uh he really he really stretches his range there too he's he's an incredible actor well, no. So here's the thing. Like there is obviously he has the humor in the role yeah. and there's almost a, uh, you know, he, he plays it kind of like a mischievous goof, but there's also 
a couple lines he delivers and, and the way that he delivers them where like there is like some menace there. There's just a hint of it, but yeah, you can, you can kind of pull that out where it's like, okay, I don't want to, I don't want to mess with this guy. Like clearly he's, he's uh, one of the, I guess, uh, minor rulers of the land. Um, love the performance, but his role was wholly unnecessary. Um, I feel like, it was just one of those uh, stunt castings where it's like, hey, we got to get Bill Murray in. He hasn't done a Marvel movie yet. That's one more way that we can drive ticket sales. Let's, you know, write a small part for him, get him in, and um, boom, done. And it's like, yeah, but what good does that do this story? You know, like, yeah, it was great seeing him. Like I said, I, I love uh, what he did. But, like, honestly, that stuff could have been cut. Absolutely yeah. could have been cut. Um. I know that I, was a lot. Oh, go yeah, ahead. My, so I, my, when I watch this, my I envisioned Peyton Reed, um, Kevin Feige, and the casting director sitting and talking about the story. And they said, you know, we want this character to be like, like more like kind of like imagine Bill Murray. And they all looked <laughs> at each other and said, I have an idea. Let's get <laughs> the Bill Murray. And Harry, like Harry, your point, it, it's he's Bill Murray. Uh, they, he like take it like his character from like Zombieland. That's what it seemed yeah. like it was like, and he was playing Lando Calrissian. He was playing Lando from Empire Strikes Back. So let me just add because I I literally just read this today. Um, I forget who they were talking to. I don't remember if it was like a producer or or Peyton Reed or somebody. But he actually was not their original casting choice for this. The original choices there were two Dave were Chappelle. Steve Martin. And uh, Matt Berry from um, What We Do in the Shadows, the TV show. That, he would have killed that. Uh, but I guess I don't. I don't know why they didn't go either of those routes. I think Steve Martin. They just never. It, like I think he shot them down like super quick, and then good. They Thank went you with Bill Murray. So. Thank you, Steve Martin. I uh, do. Matthew yeah. Berry would have been phenomenal in that role. I, I think I did read somewhere that uh, that Bill Murray was asking to be in a Marvel movie, so I think that might mm. explain why he was. I don't know if it was if he specifically asked to be stone. in this one. Yeah, so I think yeah. they were trying to probably figure out a way to get him in at some point, Mister Fantastic, um, for it. So, <laughs> Mister Fantastic. Well, yeah, that is he was a- interested. He was interested in joining Marvel for a while. Even phoned. Uh, Catherine Newton to ask if she was okay with him joining the cast of this film. So I don't know. Creep. How Why? Accurate that is, but why do you uh, ask? Wait, do you I don't think know. Maybe maybe there's some relation. To... Yeah, he even even phoned her up. That's what it says here. So I don't know. A grown man, make your own decision. Well, okay, so maybe because there were some problematic reports of Murray on another production, but I don't remember what. Oh, no, it was something right. recent. So maybe yeah. maybe it was more like a comfort thing, like, hey, I'm aware this is out there. Are you cool if I Yeah, if you don't want me to movie? just say yeah, 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 yeah. That's fair. I do remember that and I don't remember the movie, but yes, okay. So I if he's a creep, I don't know. I meant just that. Um I can get into more quantum mania stuff later or quantum realm stuff, but uh let's let's hear what you guys have for, you know, this section of the movie. So the one thing that you mentioned, well, first of all, I'll I'll kind of go with agree with you with the CGI. It didn't blow me away. I, I, this movie is ninety five percent CGI, mm-hmm. and it's hard to make a movie like that where that's not Avatar and even even Tron. Like going back to that Tron comparison, like with the with the um 
the cantina or the bar area. Like Tron is another movie that's heavily relied on CGI. And I think that Marvel CGI and every other project CGI is very different. Where Tron almost feels real, Avatar almost feels real. Marvel is very obvious that it's CGI. And it's a lot of green screen. I don't know. All these CGIs are, you know, are mainly green screens. But I thought it just looked like it looked a lot better than Love and Thunder because Love and Thunder looked like a, a hot mess. That was bad. Yeah. And this was just it looked like I was expecting maybe a little more. Like I love the special effects in like you take the special. Let's use Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange 1, I thought the special effects were better than Doctor Strange 2. Um, even like some of the effects in Ant-Man 1, the I, I, and what, and I know they're not practical, but like the sets where they're fighting on the train, like the toy train, and when he's in the bathtub and he shrinks, like it just felt, it felt real. And even though like that, like uh, it, this, this just seemed like it was just a blob of like, let's just throw paint on the wall, like just throw stuff on the wall and see what sticks. And it's just like, it, it, you know what it kind of reminded me of? What Dreams May Come, which we've talked about before, where like a lot of cool visuals in the back, except whoever was doing special effects on this was like on acid at the time and just did what Dreams May Come times like a thousand. Um, I, I thought it was some of the designs were cool, but it just it just Marvel CGI at, at any point like it doesn't. I thought CGI in like Infinity War was a lot better than this, and that's you know that's not like heavily relied on CGI for the story and everything. Um, to go on your point with um, the cantina. Yes, I will agree. And like I said, um, that's basically out of star Wars, even down to the Lando Calrissian performance. Um, one thing that, uh, and, and you pointed out was um, William Jackson Harper, a lot of stuff online with him when he was first cast in this movie, a lot of people were expecting he was going to have a bigger role with rumors going around with Kang being in this movie that he was gonna gonna be the lead to play Mister Fantastic. I would have loved that. I've seen a few episodes of The Good Place, not probably not as much as as, as you have, and and but um, I I think like you, I agree. Like he has that very intelligent delivery to some of his stuff, and I feel like if he was in that role as Reed, then that would have been pretty cool to include him here. If he was stuck in the quantum realm, maybe, and that was his introduction to him, and him being a and Kang being a descendant of or Reed being a descendant of Kang, I think it would have been great to, to include him and give him a bigger role in the MCU moving forward. I don't know. I never I, even I, thought of him as Mr. Fantastic. And that's so there a, were a few, it's a like few people. And, and that's what a lot of people were like, yeah, like he, he'd be great and, and would bring like a real interesting, like kind of, kind of version of the character that we haven't seen before. And I, I, I was all on board for that, especially after watching this, I want to see more of him. And, and, we're probably not. Uh, he's probably going to be lost. Maybe they'll bring him in for Kang Dynasty. He shows up, um, but yeah, I, I, it's a shame because I thought he as as little screen time as he had, like he was definitely, um, you know, definitely a, a star for at least a little bit of role that he had. Um, mm-hmm. I, I want to go on uh, and and how actually how you go ahead with with some of the things we talked about. Because I think the next one I was gonna I was gonna tackle Modok, but uh, I'll wait a little bit. I'll wait a minute for that. Yeah, well, we'll jump into Modok. Uh, I'm sure shortly um, about it. Yeah, you know, for as much as like I said, I I feel like could have went a different direction for the movie. I didn't have any problems with the CGI. I didn't walk out of this movie being like that looked like crap. 
Um, I felt it looked actually pretty cool. It felt very Star Wars-y, very Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, you know, to your point earlier, Greg, about like, what is the quantum realm? Like you honestly just could have been like, we went to a different planet and like, that's kind of like the vibes you get from it of like, Hey, what is this? And it's like, is that like a plant thing? And it's like, no, that's a creature coming after me. So there was a lot of that stuff, which, um, I thought was pretty cool. Um, like I said, it was, it wouldn't be my ideal thing. And in my world, I would get rid of it all. Um, because the civilization inside the realm, like you mentioned in regards to William Jackson Harper's character, I couldn't tell you his name. I can't tell you Ooze guy's name. I can't tell you the warrior who was fighting. Um, I can't tell you anything about like how these people were displaced or why, you know, I know why they're on the run because of Kang. Um, but are they like part of the rebellion? Are they just like, uh, you know, who are they and what are they? Um, they did a really poor job of that and, you know, wasting actors who are probably excited to be cast in a Marvel movie and then to just kind of do them like that, you know, like Chris said, maybe we'll see. But um, I just found it to be very underutilized um, and kind of throwaway characters, which, you know, you can kind of get anybody to do that. Like I said, go with uh, go with the Bill Murray uh, grew uh, with his minions just kind of run around. Uh, I think would have been better. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I said, I mean, I didn't have any issues with the CGI, um, you know, uh, and if we're, we're talking about Bill Murray, uh, you know, obviously, you know, my opinion, but I felt like this was a real waste of nothing. Again, I I feel like they could have done, you know, I do agree with you, Greg, there were some lines there where I was like, Oh, is he trying to be a little, you know, um, a little shady here? Like what's he hiding? But I, it felt again, more misdirection to not talk about Kang, um, you know, I, you know, maybe he was holding, you know, maybe Bill Murray's holding the key to something or, you know, I, I guess it plays out that he's under the thumb of Kang, um, you know, at the end there, but it just, it, it fell a little flat for me, um, in regards to that. So, yeah, I don't know if we want to now talk, uh, Modoc and, uh, and, uh, about our boy Kang, um, uh, but yeah, sure. we'll, Let's we'll jump into, into that. Yeah. Uh, so Modoc. Yeah, Craig, as, as the kind of as the comic connoisseur, fill me in on yes. uh, on Modoc. <laughs> so, um, not Modoc's first. Uh, well, it's his first cinematic appearance, but he was actually on the small screen recently. Uh, there was a Hulu uh, original show which was uh, stop motion, and it was hilarious. Uh, Starring Patton Oswalt as Modoc. Yeah, I've heard very mixed funny. things with that, but it's not. It's is it only like a like a limited series? Are they doing more of it? Yeah, or? yeah. It was just no. It was just a mini series. There was one okay. season, I think maybe ten episodes, but there was some genuinely good stuff in there. Um, so I would recommend that. Uh, they don't the the Quantum Mania iteration of Modoc is very different than the comics, but that's okay. Um, I think. With a character like this, it's it would be difficult to to translate into something that made sense. So they they really did, I think, the best possible adaptation they could have. And the way that they tied it in with Ant-Man 1 and, and Corey Stoll and all this stuff, like it it, it worked out for me. Um, the character was menacing at times uh although i wish we could have seen a little more from him um 
we got the great introductory scene where he just lays waste to the rebel forces. And then after that, that was pretty much it for him being a threat. Um, so that was kind of disappointing, but the humor was fantastic. And uh, Corey stole, I didn't read the article, but I saw there was like uh, headlines where he was comparing it to playing a Shakespearean character or whatever, dude, get out of here. It's, it's Modoc. Um, or, or as Paul Rudd uh, points out, it, it should be Modoc. but um, yeah, but yeah, I, I wouldn't go that far, but um the character, you know, he, he, he did it justice in that, again, it's kind of like a, a dual, uh, dual personality thing where yes, there's a menacing side, but also you're looking at a giant head with baby feet. So, you know, <laughs> there's, there's that. And, uh, I like that he, uh, towards the end, he was kind of, um, reevaluating his life choices and, uh, striving to become better and redemptive. Uh, so I enjoyed the scenes that he was in. I think the design was on point, uh, as best as it could be origin. Good. Um, and that death scene <laughs> was tremendous. <laughs> but I, so I just, uh, rewatched this uh, with my wife, Janet, we went to, um, the theater and, uh, I was, cracking up during Modoc's death scene and he's putting his little baby hand on Scott's face, caressing it and then his chest. And I'm just cracking up at that. And Janet's like, why is that funny? I'm like, come on, he's got baby hands. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I just, I really enjoyed what they did with Modoc. Um, Kang. So Kang is the big one. Uh, you know, we kind of alluded to it earlier. Jonathan majors as Kang just, Absolutely. We really, uh, we really, we really pulled an oh, Ant Man and uh, and delayed talking about Kang until, uh, but hinting about him until, <laughs> until forty five minutes into the episode. <laughs> yes, we had to, uh, we had to time it out. So just as he's getting introduced to the yeah. movie, you can use this yeah. as your your commentary track for the movie when it hundred percent release. But uh, <laughs> but sorry, but I yeah, cut you off. Uh, Go ahead. No, no, it's all good. Jonathan Majors just absolutely perfect casting. I. I was so excited because before uh, before Loki came out, I believe um, I had watched Lovecraft Country and I loved him in that. I thought he was tremendous. So I was excited uh, to see that he was going to play Kang. And then we got him in Loki as he who remains. And that, you know, is is a variant. It's a, a different take. And he did well with that. But this is like this is Kang proper, what we see in this movie for the most part. So um, I was very, very happy with the performance. I, I, he's one of these casting choices where I just, I literally cannot fathom anybody else in this role. I can't like, I cannot picture any other actor playing this character because mm. he is just that much of a, a perfect fit. And you know, that's, that's based on the look and also the menace and just the, the small bit of performance that we've gotten from him in this and Loki. Um, so very happy that, uh, you know, they, they cast somebody that can really put in the work and bring this character to life. And what we got from him in this movie, as far as, uh, you know, a performance, just absolutely tremendous stuff. Um, there wasn't a second, 
um, where he was speaking, where I didn't get the sense that this guy is going to be, you know, the ultimate menace. Um, he just really exudes that, that quiet rage. And then if he really flips out and starts yelling, then, you know, it's, uh, you messed up. Um, the introductory scene we see of him as a villain. Uh, so, you know, we get him in the cold open where he crash lands and all that stuff. But then when, um, Modoc visits Cassie and Scott in jail in on the ship yeah. or whatever the headquarters and then Kang comes in and he basically explains somewhat who he is and kind of displays his power literally just the flick of a wrist and he is causing immense pain to these people and you know just uh tossing Modoc out of the way I mean you really get the sense that this is uh this is a guy not to be trifled with. So definitely, definitely brought the, um, the menace and big villain energy. Uh, loved it. Uh, cannot wait to see more. I'm really hoping with Kang dynasty that they, um, that they allow him to get a spotlight the way that Brolin did with Thanos in infinity war. Um, I'm going to put a pin in it there with some Kang stuff. Cause then I want to skip to the end. Uh, but do mm. you guys have any thoughts on Modoc and Kang and anybody else? Uh, when I first saw the trailer, I thought Modoc looked horrible and some <laughs> of the pictures that came out, I thought it just looked really dumb. And Corey Stahl wasn't my favorite part of the first Ant-Man. I thought he was okay. Yeah. Um, the comedy that they used here, and you're right, when he was very serious when he first came on the scene, but as he became like a joke, not not even just like a joke to us viewers, but a joke to the whole like the whole every other character, because when he was trying to explain like his backstory, it would always cut off and people would be like, wait a minute, what? Like that doesn't make any sense. And I, and I thought it was great because he, uh, you know, it leads up to you know at the very end where he's told to like make his own choice and not not be a D. And I the death scene, I think I was I I went by myself, so I was next to me, a couple seats over. There were a couple guys, and I was cracking up, and they were probably looking at me like I was crazy because I was laughing as well. And the line where he says, "Now I'm an Avenger," and yes. and Paul Rudd's delivery of that, where he's just like, "Yeah, okay," like <laughs> I loved how they they tried to give Modok these heart these like very like these heart to heart moments and these very nice moments and the characters inside the movie were not taking it seriously where they're just yeah Mo- like Modoc dies and and Scott's like oh it's been a day <laughs> <laughs> yeah and I, and I thought that was that was genius because that's the, that's the one thing I did like at this because one of the plots where I, I did enjoy and given you know villains who turn heroes and it, it's it's a silly part of the story but i thought that was great because it just i i i kind of i i thought he filled in for kind of like lewis and lewis wasn't in this and i feel for like the comic relief and uh, you know how lewis would always go on rants about like his stories of who he heard from what what this was his this was this was that version and then when they kept cutting him off it just I I laughed every time they did it, and they just like disrespected the character so much, and I, I it gave me a little more 
like a little more love, I guess, for Corey Stahl's first, uh, you know, in the first Ant Man, um, even though it's two different characters. But I, I thought it was great. I thought the design outside of the face was great. I think inside the face it was okay. It wasn't. It was a CGI floating head with, as you put it, baby limbs. Um, <laughs> but I, I just, I, I the way that the Pym family kept reacting every time another person saw Darren and how shocked and disgusted they were just made it even better. Um, Kang, I, this, I, I haven't seen much of Jonathan Majors outside. And I know he's going to be in literally everything this year. Um, I think between this Creed three magazine dreams, um, I do want to watch Lovecraft country. I heard he's, he's great in that. Um, yeah. I watched the first episode, but I didn't. Um, I didn't watch more after that. Uh, this guy nails it. It's hard to come off of a, 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 a performance like Brolin, and Brolin's is is all CGI. So it, you know, we got a really, we got a great performance behind like be- behind special effects. But I think Jonathan Majors has facial expressions, facial expressions that are like he's so calm. And I think the way that they can do that practically where, you know, you could see his actual face in this delivery. It's, he does it so well. And it's not just this, like even like trailers for like Creed. And when he was in Loki, I thought he, for he, who remains, he was perfect for that. And what I didn't know was he actually, I think ad libbed most of that monologue that he had in Loki. Um, I think they had like somewhat of a script, but I think a lot of it, like some of the things that he did in the scene was him. It wasn't, in the script, um, which I thought was cool. Yeah. I think what I wanted to see more of Kang and, and I didn't want to see just majors, Jonathan majors talking. I wanted to see Kang, the conqueror. I wanted to see him conquering things. I wanted to see, I didn't want to see him ruling over this land. I want to see him actually take it over, you know, for story purposes, and we know Janet told us, you know, blah, 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 being mopey, and I can't tell you about what's going on down here. Like, you know, Kang rose to be a leader and, and conquer this, and we didn't get to see it. I know that's coming. I I know we're going to get that Kang, but I don't know how long we're going to have to wait. And my problem with the Kang character, um, before we jump in, like, kind of towards the end of the movie, is it worries me that with be, this being a formulaic Marvel movie, it's always big bad CGI fight, bam, end, bad, bad guy's done. How many times are we gonna have to watch Jonathan Majors like die on screen, or is how many movies or shows is he gonna be in? We're gonna see his character die, and I feel like it's gonna get stale before it leads up to Kang Dynasty. I want him. I, I would love him to be in every MCU project. I think he's gonna be in a lot in this phase as it leads up to Kang Dynasty. Um. Actually, I think Kang Dynasty is phase six. Not, I think Thunderbolts clear, clears out five. Yeah, and I just I want to see more Jonathan Majors, but I don't want his his character to get stale. Um, I want to know more about what the character can do with with time. Um, saying that he can wipe out timelines, that's great. I I want to see him actually do it, and not like a, one of Janet's visions. I want to see him wipe out an entire timeline. And what it looks like. But we're probably going to have to wait till Kang Dynasty to see that. Or Loki. Maybe like a post-credits or Loki. Or the end, like whatever. I don't even know if he'll be the... I'm assuming he'll be the villain in Loki 
season two, um, or some form of character since they teased it. But uh, I just, I, I felt as much as Jonathan Majors, he was great in this. Let's compare it to Bale in Thor Love and Thunder. Great performance underused because he's, he's dead now. He's not coming back. And I know we all know Kang's going to come back. There's an infinite amount of Kangs. Um, and I, I want, I, I just, I guess I understood what they did with him now to make him like look beatable. And they're probably going to beat him a couple other times. And then you're going to see the real Kang. But I don't know. I, it's hard to make him that like Avengers level threat without seeing it because he didn't really have, he wasn't up to his full potential in this movie. But that could just, I'm not writing phase five or six. I'm sure that that time's coming. But I don't know. I mean, the first time we saw Thanos, he was sitting in a chair. I mean, the first two or three times we saw Thanos, he was just sitting down. And we had to wait till Infinity War to see, like, the real him. So that was my only gripe with it. Um, but Majors killed it. I, I think he's a great addition. He's gonna, If anyone, if, if you're going to cast something to, to follow Brolin as the next big bad, because it's going to lead into this, and then you're going to get, like, Doctor Doom and probably a couple other big names or big villains – Majors is an up and coming actor. Like, yeah, I, I don't think he's peaked yet, and this could be the beginning of it, where he's he's going to just go on a steep, steep climb. Um, and uh, you know, I I I want to I I'm and I am looking forward to see where his career is going. I think he was a perfect choice. Like, he's a very captivating actor, and you know, he's very calm. And and even for his character in Loki, it's very different than this character in Quantumania. But the fact that we're going to get dozen, probably a dozen different forms of Kang, and he's going to play them out differently, it's exciting. So, you know, from from a from a multiversal standpoint. So, Har, what about you? Yeah, I mean, uh, just going back to our boy Modok, um, I it just didn't, he didn't land for me as much as it uh, did for you guys. I I think it makes sense based off of you know. Um, Corey Stahl's yellow jacket kind of character and how they introduce, you know, Modoc and how he ended up becoming Modoc. Um, I did enjoy the death scene a little bit, but besides that, like most of his stuff just didn't land for me or didn't make any difference. You know, he had uh, Cassie like yelling at him at some point, like, you know, don't, don't, don't be a jerk. And it's like, okay, all right, I guess he won't be a jerk then. Um, but yeah, let's talk about the fun stuff with Kang. Um, I loved all the early scenes. I think as Greg had mentioned a little bit earlier with Kang in this movie um, and just kind of the presence that he brought, you know, the, the calmness, but the seriousness, but the uh, I'm kind of scared ness of, of the way he was uh, portraying the character was great. You know, obviously the only uh, shot we really get is that, you know, mainly one scene in Loki, um, which, you know, I thought he knocked out of the park in that as well. Um, and I just, I'm excited to see where Kang goes. Um, but I just, you know, to kind of echo, I think what both of you guys were saying, it feels like they shot a bullet out of the chamber and like, it's like, did we, I don't want to say waste, you know, this, this version of Kang, um, the conqueror. Um, but will, you know, will we see more from Kang the conqueror? Um, and that'll be interesting to see. Um, but I was also going to say in regards to that, it's just like, 
you know, we talk about Thanos and how all powerful he is, and now you know we're talking a little bit about you know Kang, where it's like I don't know if they're keeping him at the level of what Thanos was as far as like invincibility, I guess maybe or inevitability uh, for for Thanos's. Uh, well, I guess ability to to just keep coming back. Um, so, but yeah, but I'll but I'll toss it back, you know, because let's let's kind of talk about you know how we get here to the end and and kind of where it all goes because I think that'll shape kind of you know more of my thoughts on on Kang for sure. So you know, you guys had both kind of alluded to it, but um, you know, I'm I'm with you. I think this version of Kang. While and and this is not any slight to Jonathan Major's performance, but um, they did make him. Um, how do I put this? I guess beatable. You know this. Yeah. When I my vision coming into the movie, and again, you know, maybe it's myself hyping it up or whatever. But if you're telling me you're using Kang the Conqueror as your villain. Kang the Conqueror is the prime Kang. This is like, yeah, there's all these other variants or versions of Kang from different points but in this history. Is, this but is the guy, right? Like this is, yeah, yeah. Kang, this is the conqueror. Kang the Conqueror is yeah. Kang in his peak form. Like this is, this is his prime. So if you're going to name this version of him, Kang the Conqueror, he should live up to that. And when I see him in, that final fist fight with um, Scott and Scott Lang, who is a dude kind of a nobody who went to jail and Scott's getting some licks in, you know, not many, but he's getting some punches in. Yeah. And Kang Holds is the own, ultimate warrior. Yeah. Kang, Kang is the ultimate warrior. He's trained in martial arts across the centuries, hand to hand combat, weapons combat, in addition to having all the tech and Scott's getting some punches in like that never should have happened. Never should have happened. And then we have Kang's defeat. Um, Ant-Man kind of overcame the conqueror. And I don't know if he's dead or if he's just trapped in his uh, doohickey. Um, yeah. Probability. You know, his MacGuffin. To, yeah. to get- <laughs> exactly. His MacGuffin. Uh, the, the, you know, power source or whatever. But um, it just... <laughs> it was really disappointing because it's like, yeah, this, this is the guy that you guys are hyping up and rightfully so mind you, um, yeah, that, that this is going to be the next big threat. And then he gets beaten like in, in his first, uh, appearance as a, um, uh, a primary foe. It just, it doesn't make sense. Like, and I get, it's like, oh, well this was just one person, but you set this up both in your marketing and in the movie by saying this was the most dangerous one and we exiled him because he he would take over everything. You yeah. set up this guy as the most dangerous version and then Amman beats him? Come on. Like, I get yeah. it. You know, you, you had to find a way out. But guess what? There's different ways. Like, there, I would have been fine. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say there could be a cool way to be like he fooled us do you know what i mean like maybe this kang decided he was the conqueror but like he actually isn't but then again i I don't know how happy i would be with that but they could be throwing us for a loop here where it's like hey he's the conqueror here's conqueror proper do you know what i mean so 
Yeah, no, and you're not wrong about that, but I hate that like bait and switch type thing. Mm-hmm. So I like, yes, that's totally it's on the be table. Earned. Yeah, but like, I I don't, I would not be happy if they went that route. Um, and likewise, you know, it's just, it just, it was disappointing. Like, I I think there should have been maybe a not happy ending here. Um, I think Kang should have escaped. And or someone should have died. Um, Agreed. They, you know, whether that's Scott or or Hope or whoever, like, there should have been Take some casualties. Pick. Yeah. Um, and then the the other thing with that is, uh, oh, geez, I lost my train of thought. Um, oh, yeah. So some somebody should have died. And uh, instead, they end up uh, trapping him and... Then they tease us that Scott and Janet are getting trapped in the quantum realm. And it's like, you know, that's well, yeah. So at first thought, like as I was watching the movie, I was like, okay, this is an interesting ending. It's not, I don't think it's the most interesting ending, but at least it's like, it's a Pyrrhic victory, meaning, you know, they, they won, but they also lost because now they're stuck in the quantum realm. Exactly. But then I was reading an interview with Jeff Loveness, the writer of Quantum Mania, and he's like, "Yeah, well, we didn't go with that because that's already been done. Like we, that was literally the ending to the second one, and then that led into Avengers with him getting out and propelling that story forward. And he's like, so not only if we trap them in here." are we repeating the same beat from the last Ant-Man movie, but then Avengers would have to repeat the same beat from the last Avengers. And it's like, yeah, but then why even put yourself in that? Like why even tease it in the first place? You know, like just, just kill somebody. (laughs) We'll just have him get out and have it be like, did Kang lose? And then have an end credit scene where like Kang comes out from the wreckage. Do you know what I mean? It's like, Oh, he's still, still around. They didn't beat him. So right. I th- I thought about that and I and I saw a part of me thinks that Kang threw the fight and because he, he gets, I think that he's still alive in that probability storm and I think that the the Kang that we're going to see in Kang Dynasty is going to be the Kang from this movie I don't think it's going to be uh, maybe there's multiple Kangs I, I think he's somehow going to get out of but then they but then the Council of Kang said that they were mad that they didn't kill him. So it's like, maybe he is dead. I don't know. Um, I agree. Having Ant-Man kill him or whatever happened to him was a little odd. Um, like, that's why I thought he threw it is because like, he could have snapped Ant-Man's neck and like, or just not like honestly killed him. And just because he didn't have his tech, that shouldn't have given him any, like any upper hand. It shouldn't give Ant-Man any upper hand. And he was almost out, to be honest. But, you know, uh, plot armor hope comes and uh, uh, wasp armor hope uh, plot armor comes out and saves the day and and sends Kang. She didn't have something to do, so. Yeah, she had, she just showed up. Just like, oh, here she is. And, I yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think they're going to have a tough way to describe, like, what is the Kang dynasty? If you're leading up to the Kang dynasty, is it going to be this Kang or is it going to be the council of Kangs? Is it going to be like, I don't know. Let's so think my, about it. it makes me mad. My take on this after, after seeing the movie now twice and then, you know, reading 
interviews and kind of thinking back yeah. to the marketing and everything. Every you know, everybody is like, oh, this is not only the next big Thanos, but he's he's more powerful than Thanos. I don't think when when we were sold that. I think my reaction was probably the standard reaction. And I think that reaction is, is what they were hoping for, which is on a power level basis, he's stronger than Thanos. I think they, they intentionally mislead us. I think the actual thing that they're going for is, no, he's more powerful than Thanos because there's infinite amounts of him and they're all mucking with the time stream. So he's going to come and there basically there's an army of him as opposed yeah. to just one of Thanos leading a bunch of no names. So I think that's, I think that's their play, but it's just, again, it's annoying. Cause it's like, well then why not just have this Kang again, be a minor variant that is still powerful, but like, you know, not the conqueror. Right. Um, why, like, why was he act like he was exiled? Like he was a, he was a bad man for getting exiled. Okay. Well, that's what I want. I want that threat. I don't want, I don't want the the other ones that we see in the post credits. Like, I mean, if they're just as bad, maybe I do want them. I don't know. It's, <laughs> but you know what I mean. It's just like yeah. I want. I want to see the conquer. So um, I'm going to. I want to. All right. Let me touch on one other thing, and then I'll, I'll move on to the post credits, and then we'll get some some more thoughts from you guys. But um, one of the things Kang mentions when Ant Man is like. Uh, you know, well, well, what's coming? And uh, this is when he was in, in Kang's jail. Uh, Kang said, me, lots of me. And um, he he refers to the incursions. Um, for those of our non-comic uh, history friends, uh, the incursions were a storyline in, in the comics. They didn't, uh, I believe these took place around 2015, uh, run of Avengers. It didn't have anything to do with Kang, but basically the story was that all of reality, the multiverse, all these different earths, um, barriers were breaking down between them. And suddenly you would have the various earths colliding, uh, to the point where if no one intervened, um, both Earths would be destroyed. Basically, it's realities converging yeah. on each other, and two, you know, two giant Earths cannot exist at once. They're, they're, it's just going to cause a massive explosion. Um, the Illuminati, which we saw in uh, Multiverse of Madness, or a form of them anyway, um, kind of task it on themselves to try and stop these incursions. They do manage to stop one by sacrificing another Earth, which not very heroic. Um, but anyway, these are these lead to an event called Secret Wars, which is again unrelated to Kang. But this is also how we get Miles Morales in the Marvel Six One Six universe. He existed in another timeline, another Earth called the Ultimate Universe. That universe was destroyed during these incursions, uh, and um all some portions of various earths end up fusing together he's one of the lone survivors from the ultimate universe and then uh you know all of a sudden we have one prime earth and uh there we go anyway it seems like they're melding that storyline into this because you you have 
one of those uh, yeah. movies, the next Avengers movies called Secret Wars. And Kang also mentions the incursions. So I think that's what we're looking at. And if we do get to see that, it's um, it'll be some epic visuals. Uh, but I just wanted to throw that out there as kind of like a look ahead at what we could possibly be getting. Um, want to jump to the post credit scenes because those kind of deal with um, you know, the Council of Kangs and maybe that Kang Dynasty that uh that you were talking about, Hans. Uh, the mid and post credit scene. So the mid credit scene. We see the Council of Kangs, which is Ramatut, uh, which is an Egyptian version. Um, basically, uh, Kang initially uh, goes back in time to ancient Egypt and rules over there. So that's why we see him in the uh, Egyptian garb. And then we have Immortus, which is um, the older wizened Kang. Immortus... Uh, generally is portrayed as a good guy working against Kang. So I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what the play is here because they seem to disregard that. And he seems to be in collusion with the others. And then the third Kang is kind of a mystery to me. There's, I guess there's a known version of Kang called the Scarlet Centurion. Although this third one was not wearing red. Uh, The other thing that people are hinting at is that it could be, the Beyonder and the Beyonder again in the comics unrelated to Kang. It's just a, it's a universal force um, kind of like, uh, I don't know, kind of like the Phoenix force, although he comes from a race of Beyonders, um, but he's, he's a very high power level character. um, And he is the one that, uh, that initiates the very, the original secret wars, that happened back in the eighties, which is where Spider-Man got his black costume and all of that stuff. So I don't know if they're kind of retconning for the cinematic universe, the beyonder into being a Kang variant. Uh, I don't know. I don't know the mister the, the identity of that third Kang, but anyway, fairly interesting. The one thing that I, I don't like in seeing all of these Kangs, like, yes, we know that's, that's going to be a problem. Cause if one Kang does, put up this much of a, a threat then how are all these infinite kangs gonna do but um i just i and maybe it's just me being a nerd and you know like i love <laughs> the infinity gauntlet and stuff but like i i wish we would just stop having armies of people to fight the avengers because in the comics it's not Thanos and all of these alien creatures. It's just Thanos taking on the Avengers. Likewise, you don't have Kang and thousands of Kangs or Ultron and thousands of Ultrons. It's one individual fighting all of these people because that's the scale of power that we're talking about. And in the, in the movies, it seems like, well, we just, we need an army of generic bad guys. So everybody can be on screen all at once doing stuff. And it's like, yeah, but that it gets old being the same thing. So I'm hoping whatever they do with Kang Dynasty, it's not just going to be, okay, here's, it's not going to be a repeat of Endgame where it's like, here's all the Earth's defenders charging in against the army of nameless Kangs. And it's like, I don't know. So that gives me yeah. a little pause for concern. There is, there is that, it reminds me of that cool scene in Infinity War where they try to set up the trap for Thanos to like, uh, with, with Tony, Spider Man, and, uh, 
yeah and doctor guardians. strange where it's like yeah and the guard yeah a couple of the guardians where it's like hey let's let's like do this thing and it's like all them versus Thanos, and he didn't have all the stones and you get to see the uh the, the absolute power yeah and that's like that's more of that please that's exactly yeah. you know and it's not always like that in the comics sure you know there there are minions or drones or whatever yeah, that happens course. too but in the bulk of these encounters they usually are one versus many because again that's the the scale of threat that we're looking at and um we cinematically yeah. we, we just haven't gotten that so anyway hopefully we'll get some of that and less of the uh, army versus army stuff the other um the second uh post credit or i should say the post credit scene um the other one was mid credit this is post credit we see loki and mobius and uh i'm assuming this has ties into loki season two and we see a variant of Kang, uh, Professor Timely, explaining kind of, I don't know, some type of time-related invention that he came up with. Um, cool. Uh, happy to see, you know, Loki making an appearance on the big screen again. I was less excited about this tying into Loki. Although, don't get me wrong, I am excited for that. More... I was more excited for the Easter egg this implies <laughs> because yeah. again, kind of putting on the nerd cap is um, if you go back to all the way back to Captain America, the first Avenger, when Cap and Bucky are at the, um, I don't remember if it's the world's fair, fair. Or the Stark Expo. Yeah. yeah. I think it was Stark Expo. Um, yeah. They see a uh, a being encased in glass, and it says Professor Horton's uh, marvelous android, or something like that. In the comics, that is the original Human Torch. The original Human Torch was an android, not a member of the Fantastic Four, and he appears in the very first issue of Marvel Comics. Um, and Professor Timely actually helps make. Uh, the the original human torch along with professor horton um also interesting professor timely uh before marvel comics became marvel comics which it became marvel comics after that that issue that i just described uh it was timely comics and that is where professor timely's name comes to uh from like a little um i guess uh shout out to that so anyway, I thought that was a really cool Easter egg tying them in all the way back to, you know, one of the first movies um, in the Marvel Universe. And, you know, we'll probably never get the original Human Torch. And I'm OK with that. Wasn't a huge fan anyway. But I like that they're just kind of throwing in little sprinkling and tie everything together. Yeah. So um, I have closing thoughts. I'll save those. Let's get into what you guys thought about the ending, the end fight, you know, uh, Kang, the way Kang was dealt with, should anybody have died or been stuck or whatever? I don't know. What do you guys think? So I, I and I threw my, uh, the, you know, my, my two cents on the fight, I, whether someone mm -hmm. should have died. I, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I think the trailers were leading up to Ant-Man probably being the one who died just because he looked all beat up and he, you know, threw out the line that we both have to lose. Um, I think that it, it it would have been either him or Hank that I think would have either sacrificed themselves and and uh, and died. But I don't know. I, I like I said, I'm worried about the future of and and uh, like of like with how what they're going to do with the Kang character, and that leads into the post credit scene for me. Is 
we see an infinite number of Kangs. Now, you know, the two are definitely one's a Mortis, one's Ramatut. And the third, I, I, I went online afterwards and a few people had said Scarlet Centurion. Um, so I, I think it's cool. What I did notice was it looked like at the end, one of the Kangs is a scroll, which is pretty cool yeah. um, with yeah. coming into Secret Invasion coming up. Um, so we'll see how they handle that. But the the post credit scene, I think, was was cool because we've heard twice in two different projects, Marvel projects, about the the Council of Kangs, like not called that, but we you know we heard about it from Loki and we heard about it from in Quantum Mania. So to actually see them, it was kind of surreal to see all these Kangs and all these Jonathan Majors on screen. And to see like how many of them are there are, um, and you know it's funny they throw out a couple you know puns dealing with time because he's like we have to stop wasting time. He's like come on we're late. Like oh, I get it you're time lords like you're late haha. <laughs> and uh, you know I, I, it's I, I don't I got confused on their their reasoning for getting together. And I guess it's because maybe they're starting to fear the Avengers because he said that they are like messing know, with dip, the dipping into the multiverse a little bit. Yeah. Which I mean, yeah. we've had a couple different movies that that have done that with Doctor Strange, Far From Home, and or not uh, No Way Home, and and now this. Um, so I just they didn't like this guy. They banished him. The best case scenario is he dies, and you don't have that threat anymore. Just just let the Avengers dabble into the multiverse. It's fine. They're not, they're not doing anything to, to destroy it. So if they are, then you step in. But uh, I, I just, it, it felt like the best case scenario for you guys is your threat is dead. He's not getting out of the quantum realm, but I don't know, whatever. I'm not writing these movies. And, uh, but I thought it was cool to see them like, you know, the different variations. It's, it's better than all being Jonathan majors in the same, um, the same look and same design. Uh, so I thought that was pretty interesting. It's kind of like, you know, how they did, um, or at least how they're going to, you know, if they do Secret Wars, if we're going to get like that Tom Cruise Iron Man that people have been begging for for years. Let's and, go. Uh, other ones. Um, like the John Krasinski Captain America. Um, I thought that, you know, that'd be, that'd be pretty that'd be pretty funny. Um, but, you know, it, it, it's, you're setting up, uh, the, you're setting up the next phase and, and showing Kang as a threat. But I don't feel threatened by – I don't feel him as the threat yet because we saw him get beat by Ant-Man. And how how bad – if he was the Conqueror, how bad are these other ones going to be? Um, second, I, I'm, I'm, I'm all in on Loki season two. I, I – you know, I – Going into it, I said it was my least favorite, uh, I, my least, least anticipated Marvel show. I didn't think Loki needed his own show. I was proven wrong, and I think adding Jonathan made like you know Victor Timely to that. If if they're if they're smart with it, and if he is the main villain, or if he's if if Kang's still going to be heavily involved and not just referenced, then that's great. I, I thought they led into it very well, but I don't know. I, it, it was just a quick. It was it was like fifteen seconds, twenty seconds. So it's hard to kind of say what it was, like what it's going to result in. Um, but I, I do think it's funny to see like Mobius. I even said Morbius uh, to see Mobius um, when he's just like, ah, he, you know, the Owen Wilson, he's like, he doesn't seem that bad. Like, wow. And, you know, um, 
and I, I, I love their, I love their, that, you know, just in Loki season one, they're back and forth. So it just looks like we're going to get, like, even from a couple lines, we're going to get a little more of that. So I know it's not the same Mobius that we had season one. So it, it'll be interesting. I think the next set, the next phase of the MCU is going to, it's going to really going to test the waters of what they're plan like, you know, what, what's going to be successful and keep people engaged because if they're just going to use the multiverse to kind of do whatever they want and it doesn't make sense, then I don't know. I'm going to feel like kind of cheated. So I think there's a lot of potential. Just wanted to add uh, one quick thing on the, the mid and post credits is this is, I feel like this is the first time in a while that Marvel did two um, stingers and both. Yeah push the plot forward which is nice because it seems like the general formula when they do two is like here's one that's like just a funny ps on the movie and then here's another one that is like world building or or something you know even with the shows Um, too like even the shows were like 90 percent humor and like Uh, one percent yeah i'm trying to think of some examples that like some of them didn't make any sense and it just was it like I, I it was like from a plot point it was like oh yeah they're like this is what they plan on doing and then they don't even touch that or they just oh like the the whole Avenger like the I think that the end of Incredible Hulk where Tony Stark comes and talks to Ross like that whole thing was like pointless because he's like I heard you're putting a team together and then the next Iron Man two comes out and he's like Iron Man's kind of just like yeah I don't want anything to do with this <laughs> it, it's just like <laughs> totally like negates what you just saw in Incredible Hulk. Hmm. So that was like 10, 11 years ago. Jesus. Hair, what are your thoughts on uh, the ending here to the movie? Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I voiced my opinions many a times. I'm not a fan of huge CGI battles to kind of end it. And uh, this was one of those. Um, you know, I, I kind of into, I was kind of seeing it lean that way. And I thought it would have been really interesting with the introduction of a, of a villain like Kang to kind of maybe go a different direction. Like you were saying, Greg, of having Kang succeed we're having Kang get out um, or leaving it a little bit more open-ended where, you know, or a little bit more sad, um, you know, that we, that we lost somebody on the, on the team. Um, you know, the, the end credit scenes, um, you know, I guess, you know, as, as captain movie guy, it's like, Oh, I guess I got to get ready, ready to get excited for a TV show um, <laughs> that I'm going to watch six episodes of. And the four episodes will lead up to that scene uh you know be a preamble for the scene that we saw at the end of of this movie so um i hope that's not the case i hope they kind of deal with it early and i think they will i'm only half joking there um (laughs) but yeah i mean like you said greg i was very happy to see two scenes that actually might mean something um at least for as far as the plot and how we're moving forward um I also didn't really enjoy it was almost eye roll worthy uh, kind of Paul Rudd summarizing the end of the movie being like, we don't have to worry about that guy anymore. And it's like, okay, dude, like you're probably going to have to worry about him. It's like, do I? And it's like, will I? And it's like nothing. What are you saying? Like nothing happened. Like you kind of like handled it and, you know, but yeah. The other part gag, like that was a fine gag to do, but like, I feel like it went on too long. Like yeah. there was just like maybe one or two extra beats of that where it's like, yeah, right, I was expecting like the waiter to show up and like be a Kang. Do you know what I mean? And have it like right. drop on a, on a dime there. Like, Oh, you're in for it. Um, 
you know, or maybe not even realize it. Uh, but it's just for me, it's it's one of those things where, like, you know, I I still have the trust in Marvel. You know, we're kind of you know, as you were explaining with the comics, Greg, and how smart they are. And I know Hands is always ready for a rewrite and a theory. Um, so, like, it's I still have faith in the Marvel brand, like to surprise us and and do this right you know we talked about like oh kang seems like kind of a wimp you know kang a conqueror and i don't think so you know so i i find i think they'll find ways to surprise us at least that's maybe me being optimistic but um you know the more i talk about this movie uh the more let down i feel by it um in talking with you guys so it's kind of funny um in regards to that but uh you know we'll see i mean i'm always you know, I, I have faith in it, but you know, every with each passing movie, I feel like it wanes a little bit. And you know, I think Guardians will be a little bit more of an uptick, and we'll see where that goes. Um, you know, with that, so. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, let's follow up on Guardians after after we finish with Ant Man because I, I, w- I mm. want to get some additional thoughts in. Sure. Uh, so at the very end of the movie, uh, we see Kang will return. Um, Excited for that, but uh, from what I have read, um, he's actually he's not going to be in a ton of projects for Phase Five uh, and Phase Six. I think, um, yeah, I, you know, and it's just it's rumors. But I read he's only going to be in rumor has it. things, so um, we're probably not going to get as much as maybe people want. Um, the score. Christoph Beck, you guys know I'm a, uh, a huge music head. Um, Christoph Beck did the score. I actually, it's crazy because like I'm like, I don't know if I've ever heard of this composer. And then I looked him up and he has done a ton of stuff. Um, probably his most memorable stuff or the stuff he's known for, uh, The Muppets from 2011, Frozen, and then uh, Ant-Man and Ant-Man and the Wasp. But um, the score for this, I found... Um, very, very good. It, uh, look, the quantum realm is a very weird and strange place. And, um, the music that was given to convey that was spot on. Like it, uh, I don't know how to describe it because I'm not, I don't know what instruments exactly were used. Um, it sounds similar to a theremin, but I don't think it was a theremin. But anyway, the, uh, the music for this, absolutely love the score. And like I mentioned, I also love those um, Daft Punk Tron vibes that we got for Kryler. So really good stuff there. Um, I found this movie uh, to be the best of the Ant-Man trilogy. Hands, wow. it's funny because I, um, I was re-watching a bunch of the MCU movies. And you mentioned Ant-Man and the Wasp being very forgettable. And when I got around to it and I watched it, I felt the same thing. It's like, wow, I totally forgot about half of this stuff. So um, that is definitely down on the list. I don't think it's a bad movie. It's just, it's not super memorable. Um, And Ant-Man one. Yes. uh, Good. um, And different, but I think, you know, for my money, just given, given what we see uh, in terms of like really out there, strange stuff and, um, a huge menace in Kang, uh, even if he wasn't handled the best. Um, I think this this was the best of the trilogy. 
Lewis, Kurt, or Luis, Kurt, and Dave. Um, Hans, you had mentioned Luis being missing from this movie. So I was a little disappointed that they weren't in here. Um, it just, it kind, of, it kind of seems strange that they were omitted. But at the same time, I don't know where you would tack them in because it's the plot does not involve them. And like I said, they kind of jump to um, the quantum realm stuff pretty quick. So I don't know, maybe it's uh, just a shot of them at the birthday party for Cassie, but then, you know, you're extending it out beyond family and they're kind of talking about the family dynamic in this. So I don't know. Uh, I definitely miss them, but um, I also understand leaving them out. And I thought it'd be fun, well, funny for Lewis if you yeah. put him in that end with 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 um Scott going over what happened in the movie. I think it'd be funny if the post credit scene was Lewis doing that, and you like kind of include him and just all the crazy stuff. Like I think that would have been interesting to do it that way. But that's the only place you would have been able to like kind of put him in in this in this story. Like it, you weren't going to send them to the quantum realm. Like it, it, yeah, it could, I mean. But. Look, if you yeah, if you're gonna have Luis in there, you um you definitely want to do the running joke of like those recaps, and it's like, okay, but how do we fit that in? <laughs> so it's kind of a, a quandary. Um, overall, I thought the movie was good with some really bright spots, um, but just good, not great. Uh, I give it three stars out of five, and. I had this ranked uh, of the MCU movies. I had it ranked 21 out of 31, um, which puts it right behind Spider-Man Far From Home and right ahead of Eternals. So those are my thoughts on Quantumania, my closing thoughts. Uh, how about you guys, Hans? Closing um, thoughts on Quantumania? One thing I want to call, and we didn't talk about this, uh, a call out to the very, the very incredible Ruben Rabasa who we know him as he was the uh, the coffee shop, the barista who called him oh, Spider-Man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We've talked about this on the podcast. If, if you if you know where this man's from, he's from um, a very funny sketch on I Think You Should Leave in season one. Uh, so I thought including him, uh, if they... Uh, right up your alley. If they do that next year at the Oscars, the, the clap moment or whatever they do, um, I'm going to try and push for that when he came on screen. Um that uh that line by the way was it was like a mishap he he accidentally said that because he didn't he really didn't know that he was in i believe Ant man movie <laughs> and they it like everybody was dying on set so like that's the take they went with uh, i believe that part of me thinks that that was probably going to be stanley um and maybe include him in that but i the fact the fact that they put ruben in there i he he's I, I didn't even know he I thought he was just kind of like a, a guy that has like just was in its I think you should leave and got fame that way. But he's been around for since like the 80s and showing up in little things. Um, So I, I I'm just, you know, I, I, I was glad to see him in here. Um, But, you know, in, in terms of overall MCU movies, um, I put on my Twitter quick Twitter review was it's definitely in the top 31 MCU movies for me. Um, It's it's lower ranked for me. Um. I just, I, I'm suffering from what, you know, a lot of people are saying like superhero movie fatigue and I'm hoping that the, a lot, a lot of that I think had to do with the last phase and there were a lot of movies that I just thought were okay. 
and I didn't hate this movie. Like when I rate a, a Marvel movie low, it's not I hate it. I just go in with different expectations compared to watching like if I watch Creed three. Um, I I think that this like I and, and where I would rate it, it's I'm gonna give two different ratings. It's I give it a three stars, and one of those stars is very heavily on the shoulders of Jonathan Majors. And if Jonathan Majors wasn't in this movie, I'd give it a two. And it's just it's 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 lower ranked for me. I couldn't say where I would put it, but it would probably be bottom five for me. Um, I just I feel like there was a lot of potential, but it it ended up being a cookie cutter Marvel movie. But I want the rest of the I I want to visit this once Kang Dynasty comes out and like Secret Wars comes out and look at it from like in hindsight to see like all right where were they at like what were the play like does this movie make sense is this just a cookie cutter movie or did it really set up more than we thought at this point so i I would go three i'll give it three god bless jonathan majors and and anything he does fair (laughs) yeah it's funny for all the uh negativity i felt like i was i was laying into this one i also gave it three stars but i i find that quickly changing to two and a half in my mind uh in 100 <laughs> percent agreement uh with hands about at least one full star for jonathan majors um maybe one and a quarter um i have this ranked uh 23rd of the 31 movies um it's ahead of captain marvel but behind iron man 2 and guardians 2 for me um and maybe slipping so you know like han said a lot of times with this stuff you know we try to you know talk about it as soon as it comes out or you know a week after or whatever um you know and then as we as we dive back into the marvel universe when uh when guardians comes out i'm sure i'll be editing and adjusting my list to reflect so um but yeah those are my thoughts on it nice um well we had kind of talked briefly about guardians three um throughout this episode and i just i wanted to because obviously that's the next cinematic entry into the mcu so um or big screen entry i should say so uh i just want to get your guys thoughts on that um i I did watch both trailers. Um, there was the one that was released, I believe around it was either around avatar or uh, Wakanda forever. One or the other. And I really liked the first trailer, the second trailer, um, not as big on, but um, I think the one thing that I want from this movie, and this is probably going to sound a little morbid, uh, especially in light of what I said with Ant-Man. Um, but I kind of want to see some people die. Um, Here's and look, I love these characters and as much as I would like to see their adventures continue. um, It seems from everything that's been indicated and also with, you know, James Gunn um, going over to DC and this really kind of being his, it's not, but it is his property in the MCU, right? Like his, DNA and his stamp is all over it. So I just, I, I want to see the guardians go out in a blaze of glory and, you know, just give it all they've got. There's, there's some actually um, touching stuff in the trailers, um, particularly 
the scene uh, that we see um, Chris Pratt screaming. I'm very intrigued by whatever that scene could be. The stuff with Rocket being torn away from his uh, girlfriend or friend, um, the Otter, uh, and then Rocket commenting, you know, he didn't want to see stuff improved. He just wasn't happy with the way it was. Uh, that kind of stuff. Like, I think and maybe this is just the hopeless um, idealist in me, but like there's, there's room for some really strong character moments in here. And I don't know that we're going to get them, but I'd be lying if I said at least a part of me wasn't hopeful that, that we do um, because based on the footage that we've seen, it's like, okay, there could be some really, really cool stuff. I mean, yeah, we'll have the killer soundtrack and the colors and the action and all of that stuff. And there's warlock, although that gives me a little bit of pause, but, um, but I want to see these characters go out in a blaze of glory. And I, I forget the, the exact line that rocket uses, but something about, you know, just like a, a big blaze in the sky or I don't know, something along those lines. Yeah. So hopefully we get, you know, all of the above, Give me, give me that action. Give me that humor and, you know, those great character moments, but also give me the hurt and the pain. I'm ready for it. Yeah. I, I, I never thought I, you know, I'd say this about a, a Chris Pratt role, but like him yelling, like I, I like he, he might, he might, he might have some range in this movie. Like, and, and, you know, bring it up a little bit. We'll see. And with this and Mario, like this, Let's this, could, go. Be, this could be the Chris Pratt year. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I watch both trailers and I, I feel the same as you where you're going to have, if this is going to be the last Guardians and the last time we see these characters, I'll give Gunn a lot of credit for taking characters that no one knew and cared about at all and building a very successful franchise that uh, if you're not, I'm worried, if you guys are familiar with Cosmic Rewind and Epcot, like I have a Cosmic Rewind shirt on right now, like Guardians has its own ride in Disney World. Like they, he, he brought to life characters that that were not household names. Now they are. Uh, so he does have a lot of connection to the characters. And I think if he's going to be the one to send them off, he's going to do it his way and one that he knows how much the fans care about this. So that gives me a lot of faith in in what's going to happen. Someone I, I the one issue I have with Marvel movies and and I I'll go with your morbid statement is that there's no risks for your heroes because they always make it out there's always surviving and they always find a way to bring them back if they i, I want stakes i want star lord to go i want rocket to go like i anyone like i like it doesn't matter who um except gamora they already killed her off like that's just like they can't they can't do that to her again so like professor x of the mcu where they keep killing her off um so i think Maybe you have another team form, um, and you know whether Warlock's part of that. Uh, I know Batista pretty much said he was done after the after this, so I don't I don't know. I think there's a couple ways they can go where he just kind of goes off into the distance. But I think there you're going to have at least like two or three of these guys. Like they're not going to be around. Um, and and even if the Guardians are going to be part of the next phase of of the MCU, they might not be. So. Maybe they come back more in that when they start doing some of the, more of the cosmic stuff with Galactus or Doctor Doom and Fantastic Four. But 
for right now, I, I, I think their time's done in the MCU, at least for now, and give them give them a couple years of a break and 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 regroup. But I think these main characters, I I, I think you're going to see at least three of them that are going to end up going out. Yeah, and and to clarify, I don't I don't want to see everybody dead, like you know, nah, total, all of them, all of them, Holocaust. But uh, but yeah, you know, like give us a couple <laughs> so that way we feel that this is you know the end of an era. Nah, I just nah, all of them, all guardians. Hair, how about you? Hopes, uh, wishes, I just want streams. Yeah, I just want a good movie. Uh, if I'm being honest about it, um, a good to uh, above good. So good plus movie. Um, you know, we have Ant-Man, which, you know, I don't really care for the more we keep talking about it. Black Panther, I'll give a little bit of a pass because, you know, losing Chadwick. Um, but that I thought was slightly above average, but you can make the case. It's fine. Thor, Dr. Strange, fine. A lot of the TV shows, fine. I'm a big fan of um, She-Hulk, but like I know I'm in the minority there. Um, so I just hope this is a good movie. I hope it's fun. I hope there is some stakes, as, as Hans mentioned. So uh, that's all I want out of this. And I can't even tell you which trailer I watched. Uh, I guess the most recent one, so I guess the second one um, I saw. What's I was the song on, in uh, it? Dude, I couldn't tell you. I don't. I, I usually tune out when there's there's trailers on unless it's uh Christopher Nolan yelling at me to go see Oppenheimer. Um but uh but yeah, no. Uh just just please be good. That's all that's all I want. It's worth my time. So and don't make it don't make it two hours and like forty five minutes. I don't care if it's the last one. Nah yeah, man. I'll give a pass for two fifteen, maybe creep in on two thirty with previews, but like don't I don't what I don't watch need it a be four like hour an, epic. Watch it be like an hour and a half. Good, great. Like I'm, a quick I'm hour even, and a half. I'm even more in than I was before. <laughs> well, Kevin Feige, I know you're out there. I know you're a listener. Please, we're we're begging you, man. And I I realize you know Guardians is probably in post at this point, but let's, can four hours. Yeah, give us give us you know give us some more closer to character study type movies. Like stop, just stop with the formula, man. I get it. It's made you billions upon billions, but let's let's try and mix things up and and let everybody kind of have their own individual unique stamps on these. Let me put the Marvel hat on for a couple a couple months. I'll fix it. Give it give it to hands. Give me that <laughs> that Marvel hat. Uh, that's how the incursions start, actually. Yeah, I wear <laughs> the hat. That's, it's, for, that's like my infinity. That's how they get rolling. <laughs> Oh, man. All right. Well, uh, that wraps up our latest foray into the MCU. You know us. We'll be back um, when the time comes, but uh, we're going to close the chapter, close the book on this chapter for now. Uh, But that doesn't mean that the pod isn't still rolling because we got some exciting stuff coming up for this month. Uh, It is March officially now, so stay tuned for that stuff. Hair anything for the peeps thanks so much for listening guys um i always enjoy when we go on these marvel dives because uh it's like seeing an old friend again um sometimes you know they annoy you but you know most times you just enjoy hanging out with your buds uh so yeah thanks for listening and uh yeah can't wait till the next episode Harry's relationship with the MCU is like the relationship in the Banshees of Inna Sharon yeah you <laughs> 
I don't want to. I don't want to be around you anymore. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I I remember there was a time where like you were all hyped up, and now I and I'm afraid that I'm gonna I'm... fall. I'm gonna fall into that pit where I'm like. I'm gonna yeah. just I'm I'm gonna be like oh, another just, MCU movie I'm just like dragging you down. I'm yeah, just dragging like, you down. It's all right. Like yeah, I liked it. Blah blah blah. Um, but I'm worried. No, I think you'll always. I think you'll always be enjoying it. Same as Greg. We'll see. Hands anything for the peeps? No, as Greg said, there's some some fun stuff coming up. So you know, stay subscribed. Uh, let tell your friends, your family, kids. We're very kid friendly on this show. So. Um, if your kids if your kids like Marvel, then then tell them to give a listen. But <laughs> if you yeah, if your kids are familiar with thirty plus years of Marvel comics history, <laughs> yeah, and thirty one movies, if they have the patience that they sit through thirty one Marvel movies and uh, another like nine shows, then uh, yeah, then tell them to listen. Um, if they're a fan of Banshees, then they can they can listen too. But yeah, but, okay. Well, with that, we bid you all adieu. Um, good night. Good luck. We love you. Stay safe. Be well. <laughs> Anything else we can throw in. But as always, make sure that you live spicy. Spicy. Spicy.